Just here, I want to remind everyone out there to go to HankStrange.com, sign up for the email list, okay? That's the best way for you guys to keep in touch with us, us to keep in touch with you. On the website, you're going to find lots of good things, Lola Post deals, etc. on there. You can also get your hands on our patches, which are up there as well. Um, Lola's selling these on the website. If you get the patches, Lola will send out some Gunvolt stickers to you, the NSSF sent us Gunvolt stickers, so I'll have her send that out. She might put some extras in there because she'll be happy to get rid of those. So I just want to remind all you guys of that. Uh, big shout out to Harry's Holsters for sponsoring the, the podcast here. And I want to remind everyone that's out there in the chat and all that kind of stuff to share this video as well as smash the thumbs ups, okay? We really appreciate that. And I'm going to hit the um, open in right now. Let's go to it here. Welcome back. The Hank Strange situation. Sure, you guys smash the thumbs up, the subscribe, ring the bell, all that kind of good stuff so you can be notified every time we go live. All right, so let's start this off here. Uh, so I'm going to tell you, Deshaun, this is your first time here on the show, man. We do this thing here called Jazz Hands. Everyone has to do it. Let's see right. those. Come on, let's see those jazz hands. There you go. I hope you guys have your big girl panties on. All right, you're going you're gonna to probably need them. You're going to need them. Hopefully you got them on. This is episode 631 of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Hank Strange. And as I said, our special guest tonight is Deshaun Bowser, author of Black Behind the NRA. There he goes. Deshaun, show that book if you can for the folks out there so they know what we're talking about. There you go. And where can people get this from? Let's start there. At the moment, if you just Google on your phone, on your laptop, Black Behind NRA, it's the only source out at the moment for you. Yeah, to there you go. All right. And, uh, you know, I, I do encourage you guys to do that and help support him. Um, and we're, we're going to get into all kinds of stuff with, uh, with Deshaun tonight. So hopefully everyone out there, you know, if you don't know who he is, that's why we're here. We're going to explain it. You know, hopefully everyone remains, uh, you know, I think receptive, I want to say, and respectful, right? You got people always asking me to bring people on, so we're just not preaching to the choir, but we're going to get into all of that now. So first, and, and by the way, I forgot, I completely forgot, PRP, Rolando, Puerto Rican Pistolero, mm -hmm. my apologies to you, sir. Oh, no, no, He's not at all. Here joining <laughs> us. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? Yeah, riding shotgun over here. Okay, so let's... um. Let's do this. Let's do this, Deshaun. Uh, let's start at the top. Explain to us, like, um, obviously you worked for the NRA, right? That's what this book is about. Okay. Yeah. So before you worked for the NRA, like, paint a picture of who Deshaun Bowser is. Okay. From Norfolk, Virginia. I'm an Army veteran. Uh, proud HBCU graduate. Mass communication is the degree um, I mm -hmm. have. And I was in D.C. area, just eager to start working. And I'm not into politics um, mm -hmm. at all. Grandmother raised me, old school woman. She just wanted me to know that, you know, I was God's child. Mm -hmm. Didn't reference to race or politics and et cetera. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a media guy. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for call signs. And I hit apply all on Indeed.com. And uh, the, the company with the three letters called me and I said, I'll, I'll be there. I'm ready to start working. And it was the NRA. Okay. And that's ended up there okay so you're saying uh, so um you h uh hs no hold on say it again h historically black yes. colleges and universities is what you said like for anyone say it again though i, I forgot the h acronym h 
HBCU. HBCU. So there you go. My my wife's from like the Maryland area, so. Ah. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, but she, you know she didn't she didn't go to a historically black college, but you know. Oh, well, you did then, right? No, she went to University of Maryland, so shame, shame on you, Lola. Shame, shame on you. I guarantee you she dated some of those guys from those things, but we're not going to get into that right now. I won't get into that. No, we're not going to get into it because you know, we don't want to have those conversations. <laughs> oh, man, you're going to get in trouble too early, Hank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, so, the, so, here's the thing. Um, so g- go back and tell us a little bit about, uh, like, the military service or, or who, like, you know, even before you got into the military, why did you get into the military? Well, I wanted. To, I was at Norfolk State University, and many other people, same reason. You know, we need to pay for mm-hmm. college. Okay. So, I started there, the GI Bill. I was mm-hmm. a reserve three years, actually four years. Um, if you know, '80s GI Bill is really not enough money to pay for full tuition, especially when tuition is going up. So, I went active, and I ended up in Iraq and Germany for about mm-hmm. three years, okay. and I graduated. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. I'm, didn't don't regret a don't regret a part of it. Were you? Um, was that first Desert Storm? Where? What's the uh, timing on that? Or second? Oh man, um, I'll tell my age now. I think you want oh, to okay. You don't want to put the age out there. I hear you said eighties. You said you went, you went. You went. Yeah, you went. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> no, I was in Ramadi. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm thinking I'll give you the year. This is about ATS, which is when I got out of the military in 2008 from mm-hmm. the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. I got out of the military in 2008. 2008, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and then you're saying um, when you got out, you were obviously, you know, you had your degree already, and then you got out of the military. Um, and I'm just trying to establish stuff for everyone out there. In the military, what kind of stuff did you do? I was with the 1st Armored Division. Okay. Um, so the medical field medical field okay all right did you pick up like uh before before you went into the military were you into guns no i was not okay i'm glad you said that because that is Mm -hmm. part of the story my mom was one of the people who you know like guns are bad uh okay yeah a lot of us went through that right that's like yeah yeah. and my grandmother did you know churchy love of the Mm -hmm. devil great woman Mm -hmm. but she comes with that with that culture so Mm -hmm. no really didn't have the culture of of Second Amendment, yeah, that's unfortunate. Like that comes, that happens in a lot of different cultures. I think yeah, it happens does. here in a, in America amongst. Uh, is it is it is that common amongst Latinos, Rolando? I mean, I I grew up uh, obviously in a military family, okay. but my but even my dad, despite being in the military, never really he didn't talk about guns. He didn't own okay. guns, so but he wasn't against them. It was just mm-hmm. like just wasn't a thing. Yeah, growing up, mm-hmm. I found. I mean, I'm I'm from the Caribbean, but I I found that my parents are were very kind of anti-gun. So mm-hmm. where I'm from, which is Guyana, is the guns are only for the military. <laughs> yeah, that was like a socialist communist place, and they yep. and they instilled all these like stigmas in the, in their brains about guns and stuff like that. Which that's how a lot of uh, yeah yeah Central and South Americans uh, mm-hmm. feel. About yeah, firearms. Yeah. Did you find that same thing, Deshaun, growing up? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, once I got into the military, the crazy part is once I got on the range, mm-hmm. I was serious about wanting to hit 300 meters. I wanted that expert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so bad. You get, it, it was it's addictive. I don't know why I liked it so much. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. wanted I wanted to 
respect it. It was fun. Okay, so you did. So in in your service, you did start to get into guns and stuff like that, right? Yep. Okay, but but when you got out, you weren't necessarily thinking about doing anything in the gun world. This was just an op- This was just something that just came up. Yeah, you know, when you, whatever you're doing at the moment, like whatever you have a job, you want to perfect that job, be a great asset mm-hmm. to that job. So mm-hmm. I wanted to be a great asset to my first sergeant, to my team, mm-hmm. to my platoon. But once I got out, that was no longer a factor. Mm-hmm. Around. It was back yeah. to the media. Okay. Yeah. And then, so just, and then, and then going back here, how did you get this job with the NRA? Uh, I went to Indeed.com uh, and I hit apply all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Indeed. What what is that? Someone's gonna have to like. I'm not even sure what that is. It's it's a it's a job application app. Oh mm-hmm. okay okay yeah. I mean I remember Monster.com and stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm from yeah. yeah. It's like that. Oh okay. I'm from the old school. <laughs> it was right right after Monster. Uh, yeah. Oh it was okay. All right okay cool. So you just you just like yeah. You, you just did reply all to everything. Okay. It was like a, a you post like check the ones you want to apply to. I just hit the one at the top and it checked all of them. Okay, yeah. I was like, let's get started somewhere. Yeah, the reason why I'm asking this, and if you look at the, and I'm really trying to make sure that I do this in a methodical way so I can help everyone out here, right? If you look at, um, if you look at some some of the things uh, for your book. So for example, I'm putting it up here on the screen. Let me see where is it. I just I just moved away from it again. All right, I'm just gonna yeah go ahead throw the book up there. But I'm gonna put on the screen what you've got written. Um, uh, this is on Google or something. It says Black Behind NRA: A True Story, an honest and raw collection of journals written by Deshaun Bowser. Deshaun Bowser, a young black American, an army veteran who secretly undertakes as a Democrat. He works as an NRA employee, then exposes the organization. The journals share his experience behind the walls of the NRA with mental anguish, discrimination, culture shocks, possible death threats, good friends, racism, and more. Okay, so, and uh, I'm assuming you wrote that, right? I did, I did. Okay. So the thing, the weird thing there that I'm trying to figure out, did you, did you work for some company? Were you like an actor? Was this a setup that you went to work for the NRA as like a Democrat undercover to expose them or something? Not at all. I was just a okay. young man started working. I went in mm-hmm. not knowing what the NRA was. Okay. I'm also, um, I'm a, like I said, my grandmother raised me. I'm a praying. I fast and pray mm-hmm. several during a year. Okay. So also in in, in um, obedience to that. Mm-hmm. I no matter what job calls me next, God, that's where I'm going okay. and I'm gonna you know prove to you that I can do this. Mm-hmm. So once I stepped in the building, that's how I was stepping in the building. Okay. So you believe in his mysterious ways. Yeah. If we're, if we're having a conversation about God here. Mm-hmm. And you you were looking for a job. So I just want to make it clear because if someone reads that, I think even like I read it and and I, I got it a little twisted. I was like, wait a second, was this guy like an actor or something? And then some organization hired him to try to get a job at the NRA, and then he went in there because it kind of sounds like that yeah. in that description. The big thing is, and I shared this before, is that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't believe that I didn't know what the NRA was. Mm-hmm. But automatically, that throws people off to seeing that title. Mm-hmm. You know? But it's true. There's a lot of people who grow up not into politics. Mm-hmm. I don't you know never, what you, you never heard of the NRA from anything. 
Nothing. Never. Ne- you didn't you ever heard of it from music or movies or? The part is now that I go back and look at movies like Rosewood and Spike mm-hmm. Lee movies and my mm-hmm. favorite scenes in the Hoodlum. Yeah. Uh, um, Ice Cube was it Ice Cube and Triple X and he was talking about yeah. the NRA and Triple X. Yeah. A lot of now that I go when I went back and look at, I'm right. like, wow, this, it was there the whole time. Mm-hmm. But my eyes are just going past it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And not I this was, is not, and not in a positive way in in like generally in um, in things. Let's put it this way: like so, in black culture out there, if you want to talk about hip hop, black movies, etc., I I can't remember if I ever saw anything positive about the NRA and those things. So I don't know. I don't know what your um, you know what your idea. Oh wait a second. Oh boy, hold on one second. Yeah. Hold oh, man. On. We got Dev in here. Yeah. So we got to <laughs> drop him in here. Boom. Devin, you're early. Am I? Yeah, it's cool though. We're not, I'm not complaining. Oh, my bad. <laughs> no, 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 man. That's good. That's good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you came in early here. So we, we were just like in the beginning. So okay. I'm just establishing stuff. So we've got Devin from Trenchwork Chronicles in here as well. And I want to tell you guys um, before we get as we you know get into this. When I was trying to look up and see what's actually going on with you, Deshaun. I found the um, the podcast that you did with Devin. I think it's episode eighty, Devin. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. On Trenchwork Chronicles. If you guys aren't looking at it or listening to it, I should say, uh, do that. I'm trying to find. Uh, we'll we'll get you a link or something like that uh, to help you guys out with that. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's got to be a Thank link in, yeah Appreciate in here it. somewhere. Yeah. Lola, if you don't mind, I don't know if Lola, if you could find that link, put it in the description or put it in the chat or something like that to help these guys out. But I listened to that podcast. Really good. Uh, help. I, I recommend everyone, if you want to know more about this, go to Trenchwork Chronicles, listen to episode 80, then listen to all the other stuff uh, mm-hmm. that Devin's putting up there. Okay, so where was I? I think I was saying that me personally... Um, before I actually got into the gun world here, and, and growing up, I, I had some access to guns. I grew up in New York. You know, my 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 experience with the NRA was through movies and uh, hip hop and things like that, and it was negative, right? Um, and I think even with Lola, who grew up in Maryland, she always said that she thought like guns were for the bad guys or the cops. That was it. So. Um, that's that's like my experience. So for you, for you, Deshaun, when you started working for the NRA, it wasn't any kind of setup. You just like genuinely, they offered you a job there, right? I have no shame telling the truth. I was completely ignorant to it all. I went in with an open heart and with the obedience to, you know, after fasting and praying, where where's my next step? This is my next journey. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. Mm-hmm. Let's start here and take it step by step. Yeah, and, and Devin and Rolando, feel free to jump in here at any point. I'm just trying to like establish everything for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I always just think that that's the craziest part is yeah. that he says that he knew nothing about it. And mm-hmm. honestly, to his point earlier, like that had to be God working because you went into that and came out with this book on the other end that to me, I consider it a blessing because it's the actual experience. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. the people or on NRA TV, you are somebody that was actually in the building, in headquarters, right here in Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. doing the work. So yeah. you know what it is. Yeah. 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 Yep. What was your job when you, what was the job that they were offering you? What was the job and the I description was, of that? Was the range service coordinator. I was helping people build shooting ranges or improve shooting ranges. Okay. Then I 
transferred over to Eddie Eagle, the Eddie Eagle program. Okay, so range service coordinator doesn't sound like entry level to me. I mean, it, that, so that sounds like, you know, that you're in charge of something. Yeah, okay. I was. Okay. <laughs> so, so what, was, what, what was that process like? Did they just say, hey, we have this job. You're like, I'm going to show up. Did they interview you? Did it, was it a process to do this? Uh, the person who interviewed me, he, um, I don't know what they had going on before in the department, but he was just telling me, you know, this is what we need as we mm -hmm. bring you. You know, we hold two conferences a year. Uh, we have a range source book. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to send you about 60 emails and phone calls a day. We need someone to handle that traffic. Mm -hmm. We're going to travel, and everything mm -hmm. is going to be in reference to building shooting ranges and improving shooting ranges. And, of course, there's a lot that comes with that, but that okay. was the interesting. So you weren't the range service coordinator just for that building or something. Were you were you doing this in other places outside of Virginia, or you were just doing this there in that building? Well, from the headquarters in Fairfax, uh, there's about we try to put two range advisors in each state. So okay. The way, the, the way that the program works is if someone calls and they have a question about a range, we offer three things. We offer mm -hmm. the range course book. Mm -hmm. Let them know about the conference that we have. One is on the East Coast, one's on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And we can have someone come out to actually put boots on the property mm -hmm. to give efficient um, guidance mm -hmm. uh, with, with the range. Okay. Um, Clover can I ask a question? Go ahead. Go ahead. What's the second, what's the second conference? Because I know what NRAM is, but what's the second one? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. The conference we were doing was called the, oh, man. It's the range conference. If you go to NRA website and hit range services, mm -hmm. it'll exactly what I said to be right there. It was the hmm. range. Uh, yeah, there is some other thing that NRA does. I'm not sure what it is either. Is it the? <laughs> is it? I thought was it the carry shield? Was that what it was? No, no not I don't that. think so. Oh, okay. no. Never mind. Because it don't. Isn't there? Isn't there a moving like? So okay. So the NRAM show is moving, right? But isn't there something that they sometimes do in uh, other countries or whatever? Range Development and Operations Conference. Okay. There you go. That's it. Oh, that's yeah. it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm All glad right. you put it. Thanks, bud. Yeah, yeah. Ain't no problem. Yeah. So CloverTax says this. He says, oh, snap, I may have talked to Deshaun before. I've had a bunch of conversations with NRA range services in the past. Yes. Okay. I'll be honest. I, I, I had great conversations with people. As you can imagine, I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. Went in with an open heart, man, an open mind. So, uh, mm -hmm. For one asset you know to my department and my job but also second since it was so different mm -hmm. i couldn't help but to learn and, and, and mm -hmm. have an open ear to people who are cool who are talking to me yeah so i met a lot of great people they may remember me because you see i'm smiling right now all the time mm -hmm. so i'm pretty sure i was smiling with him as well and uh trying to basically answer his question to be a great person to everybody yeah so did you when you went in there did you have a feeling like because I'm, tr was there another person that had that job already, and you were replacing them, or was this a new position they opened? I'm just no, trying to figure out if you felt like, yeah. hey, these guys are hiring me because I'm I'm black and and I and you know maybe I have some experience or something like that in this thing. What what was your feeling when you went into this? Ah, uh, okay, yeah. that's a big one. Yeah. up a lot. Okay, but three things making sure so we can keep moving. Okay. Um. I never shared this. The person who interviewed me, mm -hmm. his wife is black. Okay. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But he also was not a fan in the building. A lot of people didn't like this guy. So I don't know okay. if he hired me on some, like, <laughs> you know, 
Let me just be real spiteful and bring the black guy on the fourth yeah. floor. Right. I'll tell you, you know, but so that was part of it. Uh, but I would say second, mm-hmm. I had experience being hired because I was black. I, I was kind of brought in to see if you can do this job, then you're our guy because they give you a probation period first. Okay. And I wanted to prove myself before my probation period was over. So I didn't go in saying, let me be a great black guy. I said, mm-hmm. let me go in regardless of my mm-hmm. color to prove mm-hmm. that I I'm a great asset for this job. Mm-hmm. Third, the big part that you open it up is what did I feel when I came in? Mm-hmm. I on the on the interview with him. Mm-hmm. When I walked in, I'm an educated guy, man. There was no black faces on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were looking at me like I was crazy. Okay, and I like you know still smiling, like you know this. Okay. Maybe it's not their day. I don't know. I, mean, I haven't ran into the good people, you know, the nice, friendly people mm-hmm. yet. I went to see him. I couldn't find a black face in there until I went to the law enforcement section. And they had two guys as criminals. In and the museum. I, You're, so yeah. there's a museum. I've never been there. So there's yeah, a museum so, there, you're saying. And when you went through in the museum is where you saw some black faces. But they were part of the exhibit. Yeah, and they, were, okay. they, weren't, they weren't good examples. Okay. I, know a, I know a lot of black veterans I could be proud of, you know, mm-hmm. growing up. See you. So I went in there and I saw these, you know, military, you no know, firearms. Yeah, we've had some badass uh, Navy SEALs and stuff like that that were black. You know, there's lots of, yeah. Inspired, but yeah. instead I saw us as criminals in the law enforcement. Then I went further and I saw Eddie Murphy and Denzel Washington in the entertainment section. I was like, hold on, hold on. I'm not, I'm not this stupid and ignorant, you know. So I saw these little kids, Caucasian kids, walk through the museum. And as they were looking at everything, I was like, it's kind of disgusting. Okay. The, the kids are seeing black people as entertainers and criminals in this museum. Okay. So there wasn't like, um, I know that we've heard stories and, and we've seen uh, things that uh, the NRA helped out the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King, etc. There was none of that in that museum? No. Not okay. All. all right. Okay. So, so that's why I'm trying to f- figure out, like, in your brain, when you were going into this, did you ever think, okay, maybe these guys are hiring me because I don't see a lot of other black people around here, and maybe they want to get, you know, like, up the profile of the black people that are in the organization? Did you think anything like that? No, I think the only thing I did was I went home and I did some real critical research on what is the NRA. Okay. And the crazy part is I also watched a movie called Rosewood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of Not, it. Yeah, and an epiphany just hit me is that I just saw this group in the you know I feel like I saw this like this these people being honored in the museum, mm-hmm. and I like I was like I, I was like I'm in something that I'm you know that's when it hit me I'm I'm in a okay. place. So up to that point, you didn't even realize actually what you were dealing with. This was just like any other job to you up to yeah. that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That I don't know. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. Like, what was the reason that they were saying, we want you to run this range thing? Other, You know, yes, you were in the military, you had military service, and, you know, obviously, like you said, you liked uh, you liked shooting long distance and stuff like that. What, what was the reason, though? Was there something, you know, that you did in the past that made them think, you know, this guy's perfect for running the range? No, like I said, the guy that interviewed me, we, we just, I just... I have good interpersonal skills. I'm going to my horn, but yeah, I'm we catching that. Yeah, yeah, we we bonded, and he was like, "All right." He was also a, a Christian guy, and I think he saw my my uh, gospel radio station history. You know, I'm okay. prior service. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I, I do no shooting ranges, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I said, that's why I fell in love with uh, firearms mm-hmm. when I was on the range. Mm-hmm. And he asked me questions, possibly about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sideburns and et cetera. And I just, I, you know, I was, I was like, no, I'm, I'm the guy. Let's get started. So okay, all right. That's how- Higher, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds like something that you would have to be able to interface with people and all that, which obviously mm-hmm. you could do. Uh, by the way, someone wants to know, someone was asking, what's that picture behind you? So I don't know if you would have. It uh, is Muhammad Ali. I love this right, Can painting. we see it? Uh, I'm kind of cutting it off on purpose a little bit. Oh. One of a kind. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened to be my office. Right all right, there you go. The answer is no. <laughs> all right, okay, hold on. Let me see if I could go full screen. Yeah, we can't really see the whole thing. Yeah, we can yeah, see the USA part. So that's when he was on the Olympic exactly. team. There you go. Okay. All right. Nice, nice. Okay, there we go. We got that We got that covered for all the people out there that um, that want to know about that. Okay, so you um, you started working there. You went through your probationary period. How long was that? I want to say it was 90 days. 90 days. And uh, Clover Tack wants to know if, um, you know, uh, part of the job getting certified as an RSO or a chief RSO, did you, the NRA give you any kind of training or did you already have those certifications? Um, I did not have those certifications before, but mm-hmm. that was naturally what we were doing with the range advisors. We were, you know, doing classes. Um, we also have a lot of training. The training department was right next door to me, so mm-hmm. I worked with them as well. Mm-hmm. So with that being you know, so close to me, I became a chief range safety officer or a pistol instructor. Oh, okay. Someone else was actually in charge of the range then, I'm taking it. This is this. We were giving assistance to ranges across the entire United States. Okay, so it wasn't a specific range there. It was just you guys were going out to ranges and helping them get set up. Correct. Okay. All right. So you went through, how was your probationary period? Any issues? I wasn't serious about proving that I can do this job. Right. Um, of course, like I said, day one, that atmosphere there kind of <clears throat> kind of trying to smother me, but I'm some mm-hmm. guy, I'm somebody who doesn't back down. Mm-hmm. I had God in my heart and been praying every day. So mm-hmm. no matter how tough it got, I was like, God, I'm gonna show you I can do this. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, no matter what someone said to me, I didn't take it as racist. Immediately, I was I was realizing, like, you know what? Some people are probably just not cultured or educated or know what they're saying. So there's a thin line between ignorance and racism. Mm-hmm. So I automatically say this person is racist. I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I gave it time mm-hmm. to educate myself about the organization or about the person. Mm-hmm. So I did confirm, like, no, that guy's just racist. Okay, well, let me... So- yeah, and, and like I said, guys, if you have a thing, I'm I'm going through this like a lawyer. <laughs> I'm, you know. I'm just listening to the good responses. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I totally, listen, from, I can tell you something, Devin, I'm, you know, I don't know if you know me like that, but I don't say stuff if I don't mean it. When I listen to you, and I really do recommend people to go listen to your podcast with Deshaun, I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. I mean Thank that. you. Uh, I don't Thank know, did you get a chance to listen to it, Rolando? Uh, I, I listened to a little bit of it, uh, but mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to before yeah. the show. Yeah, I think I, I think it well. was good. Right. I think it, mm-hmm. it gives it's a good grasp on uh, who both of you guys are, by the way, which is a good mm-hmm. thing. OK, so Rain gave us uh, he gave us like nine, uh, he gave us a dollar here. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. There's no message behind it. Can we just go back for a second? So when you were in the military, um, what was your how was your experience when it comes to race in the military? Did you see? A lot of black people like yourself with it. What was what did the makeup look like when you were in the military? Wow, you're asking 
answering questions I didn't think I would be sharing. Um, yeah. I, I joined in Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. At first. So I yeah. Was try, to, to, try to speak up a little bit. Yeah, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I was simultaneously going to the school as a reservist. Um, okay. You know, that's one weekend a month type of deal. Mm-hmm. But I went active. Man, I, I was the only black guy. Uh, it's like, it's kind of, you're, you're making me think, God was kind of shaking me up for this mm-hmm. future that had coming towards me. But um, mm-hmm. he, he ended up being let go, not only for being racist, but he was just not taking care of soldiers. Um, mm-hmm. As we were preparing to go to Iraq, he was doing a lot of dirty stuff. I had tough skin. I was also married at the time, so quitting mm-hmm. wasn't an option. I was there for my kids and, and the wife, the, preparing the housing. I didn't care how disgusting the guy was. I, I, had, I had them to put first. Mm-hmm. And But after a while, he was replaced with an amazing guy from North Carolina, um, tall guy he came in and man he took care of everyone he made me proud to be mm-hmm. a veteran and an american and a soldier because mm-hmm. that's what it was all about but but when i first started like you said i did experience also some mm-hmm. some i think that happens to a lot of people there's a lot of guys out there uh joining the military um a lot of a lot of uh, young people of color doing you know and it's it's like this for a lot of people you're coming out of your parents house for the first time boom you know or you're in college or something kind of a little bit of, you know, it's different from your parents' house, but a, a protective environment. Okay, so to go back to this now, um, through your probationary thing, there was no, like, no big things, right? You were just getting to know the NRA and all that. No no big things going on. Um, how long did you do all of this? How long did you actually work for the NRA? I started November 24th, 2014. It's crazy how I remember that day. Okay. Um, the paper, and I said, mm-hmm. we're, we're do this. Yeah. Um, I was there for a little over four years. Four years. Okay. And then did you do did you do a lot of traveling, go out to a lot of ranges or events and stuff like that? Did you ever go to the NRAM? The, um, you know, uh, that's like the annual meeting for NRA that moves around different cities. Did you ever do that? Yeah, a lot of departments did a lot of traveling. I'm very familiar with the, the, the um, conferences you're mentioning. But me, I did the two conferences a year with range services. Okay. And then when I transferred over to uh, Eddie Eagle, Eddie Eagle used to travel to about nine cities a day. Of course, that was like law enforcement um, and then school and teacher conventions. And also, I went to annual meeting also. Okay. All right. Yeah. So how so how was like your experience? Because, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that never heard all of this. So in that time, mm. you know, give us I know you wrote the book and obviously people can get that here. But, you know, give us an overview of your experience for four years, you worked for the NRA, right? Yes. Yeah. I'll say the the, the, the light one first, and then I'll drop a heavy bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I stuck out. Um, mm-hmm. I stuck out in many uh, rooms. I stuck out in many things, but that didn't affect me because I, I like I said, I had an open heart and I was open to listening. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't choose any side. I was there for the Second Amendment and to help people. You know, I'm at I'm, I'm at work. Mm-hmm. Not time. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to help people and, and be, you know, sufficient with my job. Um, I stuck out. I didn't notice um, the low amount of African Americans that were at these events. Most of them were local. Uh, man, how do I say it? Um, the local help that came to the to help out. Parking mm-hmm. lot, trash pickup, food services. Mm-hmm. Those were the most mostly the African American people there. It was a very low number. Were those people employees of uh, NRA or just employees of the ranges? 
No, I'm speaking of something like annual meeting. Oh, okay, at the annual meeting. Okay. Meeting. Mm-hmm. I will. I will pay attention to the the, the ratio of African Americans. Like when you went to the annual meeting, what do you remember? What which ones you went to? I was in Dallas. Um, okay. That that's not too long ago then. Yeah, that's the one. That's the last Maybe one. Maybe like two years. So you didn't mm-hmm. see. I, I you didn't see a lot of black people at that meeting in Dallas. No, and I was actually offended. It was a, one guy, a tall cowboy. He was, he okay. stuck out. I went to so the you did, did you see? Did you see me? Did you see Devin? Did you see? Uh, I wasn't Maj? there. I was okay. You were there. Did you see? Maj? I was in Indianapolis. You, oh, you were in was, Indianapolis. Okay. I was, mm. I was stuck at the Eddie Eagle booth in Dallas. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember <laughs> ever going to the Eddie Eagle booth. So I was surrounded by kids. Wherever the kids were going, that's right. The um. Yeah. So if memory serves me correctly, the Eddie Eagle booth is usually close to where they're doing those raffles for all the guns. Right or wrong? You're talking about it. Usually is, but not yeah. all the time. Yeah, but not all the time. Was not. It was not in Dallas. Yeah. So if if no one out there has been to an to an Anram. One of the big things is that they have these raffles for all these different guns. I think uh, Wall of Guns, is that what it's called? Yes, there you go. That's the correct name. Yeah, the wall, of- wall of Guns, some amazing guns, some very expensive Sweet. ones up there. And you, you buy raffle tickets, and uh, what is it, like every hour or something they give those guns away? I don't want to mess up their program. I, yeah. I don't I- <laughs> yeah, Whatever it is. So, and then How many do they give away? A lot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if uh, Deshaun's familiar with that, but it's a lot of guns. If you've ever, mm-hmm. yeah. um, if you've ever seen it, a lot of guns, a lot of expensive guns. Some of those guns are two, three thousand dollars, you know, maybe more than that. Um, and my, my what, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask, what did you think about the actual Eddie Eagle program? Like outside of necessarily how they treated you, because a lot of people kind of. Some people criticize the NRA's programs and say they're outdated. Some people say that they're pretty good from like a beginner's perspective. So I was curious since you were really there with Eddie Eagles about as introductory as you can get introducing it to kids. If you thought that at least that aspect was pretty good or if you thought it could be improved or what mm-hmm. you thought of that. Yeah, across the board, all the work that I did at the NRA, I was I was I was unapologetically black. I will say that. So mm-hmm. it was, I was not going to lie for them in reference to any of that. So when it came to the Eddie Eagle program, I have to be honest, across mm-hmm. the board, it's a, it's a simple, stern message. I mean, mm-hmm. how comes across a firearm, he tells them, stop, don't touch, run away, tell a grown-up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's good. I've seen kids watch the cartoon and then come back with a testimony from their parents and say, it actually happened in real life. They saw it and they referred to the Eddie Eagle message. I mean, if you could put that that program, not necessarily that program, but something, that stern message in mm-hmm. any type of neighborhood, any type of demographic for mm-hmm. a child, I don't see, I, I, was, I was supportive of it. You, w- you would be supportive of that, yeah. Um, people have to absolutely teach their kids about guns. Mm-hmm. They, really, they really need to. Uh, Lola and I went through all that stuff, sitting down, talking to our kids when they were younger about guns. And that, you know, you shouldn't touch it. If you go to a friend's house, you see it all. If you see it here at our house, uh, I think we went to the level of, um, you know, unloading guns and leaving like snap caps or whatever in there and leaving it to see what our kids would do, you know, and if they would actually not react to that gun and then come back and say, hey, I saw this gun. Why is this gun out here? You know, we did all that kind of stuff. We took them to um, NRA NRA, uh, I don't want to, I don't know if it's sponsored is the right word, but events that were put on by the NRA for them to learn how to shoot and all that kind of stuff. 
So cool. I think there's I think there's a value for that, and I really wish that um, schools kind of got into that. I think it would help with a lot of things. Uh, I always put it like um, swimming pools, right? Especially here in Florida, there's a lot of swimming pools, and a lot of kids yep. die by drowning in those pools. You know, I really wish they would teach kids about the water and how to swim, you know, and, and how to deal with these things, but they, you know, they don't necessarily do that, you know? Uh, but they are more likely to do that than to teach them about guns that they're highly likely to come across. I, I learned, and like I said, um, I, I said it in the podcast with him, mm -hmm. I learned a lot at mm -hmm. the NRA. Mm -hmm. And the, the information I got there, I realized that I can apply it mm -hmm. out in areas where, you know, we don't have to go to the NRA as if they're the all. We can do this stuff also ourselves. That's right. And what I'm saying is the simple message that Eddie Eagle is doing, mm -hmm. we don't have to use Eddie Eagle, you know? Mm -hmm. We can, you can use the same process and make our own programs because the trouble we had with Eddie Eagle was if you say NRA, they're like, no, no, we're, we're going to turn away. If you say firearm, they're like, no, we're going to turn away. Mm -hmm. So that's the NRA's you know, kind of fault. But if mm -hmm. I make a program, mm -hmm. I'm also a partner. I'm great at making partnerships. And we all did that. I think it'd be great work for our kids. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. How can that, how can you lose? That. Go ahead, yeah. Devin. I'm sorry. What, what you To say? that point, no, mm -hmm. to that point, um, I recently dealt with something similar. Um, while we we're searching for locations to start Kids to Kings, one of the problems was that being associated with Walk the Talk America and the firearms portion of it, mm -hmm. literally the fact that just firearms is in the title of the intersection between firearms and mental health, that's, they were like, nope, can't do nothing with that. Yeah. And it, it'll, they will literally just stop responding to it. It's crazy. Yeah. No matter if you're trying to fix the problem, <laughs> if it's just a part of the program, it doesn't matter. Like, they're not trying to hear, no, like, in blue areas, they're not trying to hear it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just part of the corporate. It's part of the corporate structure. Like I've gone through that in um, in different places. You know, it, like I've considered myself what we're doing here is broadcasting, and I go to the broadcasting convention, and I was talking to this lady at a, at a big company that's out there relative to broadcasting, and she was enjoying it. She was like, you know, we need people like you to come here, and you know, because they actually invite in guest speakers, and you get up there and you talk about how you run your YouTube channel and what tools you're using. So she was like, so what, what's your website? And, mm. and I told her, and she's looking at it, and she's like, listen, let me explain something to you. I'm you know, a God-fearing person, and I believe in guns, but this company does not. <laughs> you know, And that was the end of that. <laughs> so that, that's a reality. Huh? When I was booking uh, shows for Eddie Eagle, we we, we, we we would not put NRA in mm -hmm. a lot of stuff just so we wouldn't get that backlash. Yeah. You know, okay. it Makes was sense. community outreach mm -hmm. or something else. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't put NRA when we send it to schools to mm -hmm. take materials. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you guys have any questions here? So I'm not the only, you know. Lola says I run my mouth too much, so I'm trying to give you guys <laughs> trying to give you a chance, Devin. <laughs> I already interviewed him. I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> no, hey, you're, you're asking a lot of the stuff that I would want to know too. Right, so. right. A lot of the questions you're already taken care of. Mm -hmm. Keep rolling. Yeah. So, so the thing is, okay. So you you were doing these things, like, um, what's your your idea of this overall experience, right? 
what's you know give us like what is your idea of this whole four years if you were looking at it what would you say like what stood out the most to you what was the best thing what was the worst thing well I, the best thing is that I do believe in the second amendment you do I learned the importance of it and so much more by okay. working there um, the bad part is, I won't say the bad part is, but I also learned that, unfortunately, a lot of stuff wasn't for African Americans. I would say a lot of stuff was showing me that they don't consider the Second Amendment for African Americans. Okay. And I and I fought hard on not believing that, but by the time my four years was, you know, what's up, I was like, it's true. Okay. You know, fortunately. Okay. You so, gotta tell the Wayne Lapierre story. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll yeah we'll definitely get to that. But let me ask you this: um, when it comes to when it comes to the Second Amendment, first, I'd like to get like, what's your take on the Second Amendment so far as you see it now, having gone through that and learning from the NRA and at least because I'm assuming they're the ones who really introduced you to the Second, right? No. No. I'm I'm a big Black Panther fan. Huey Newton taught me everything. Okay, so you learned about that before you went into the NRA. Yeah. Okay, did they add anything to that while you were there? I couldn't find Huey Newton anywhere. No, but I'm saying, did they? Did the NRA add anything to your... Uh, to your? So if I say to you right now, tell me what the Second Amendment means to you, it's going to all come from, from the Black Panther side of it, or was there yes. any of that that came from the NRA? I, when I was, you know, you mentioned the Black Panthers and Huey Newton. When you mention anything and it hits close to home, that's the stuff you, you know, you grab onto and you and you, and you plug onto it and you be a visual learner, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But while I was in RA, I was more so being educated on. Uh, I, you know, it was it wasn't stuff that I feel like was for me. Mm -hmm. It was stuff that was for other culture or what they would say are the good guys. Mm -hmm. You know. It was stuff that was outside of my upbringing, you know? So I, I love the dog whistle of the good guys. I hear that all the time, dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. When you see those commercials and stuff, you know, you see, you know, the stereotypical stuff, but you don't see me. You don't see okay. me as one guy. So I think what you're saying there is, uh, but, but NRA at this time was putting out a different message, right or wrong here. You guys tell me, right? I know I've been doing this particular thing. For like seven years and this was all four or five years ago Deshaun. he pointed out i think what you're referring to is that on the outside mm -hmm. you may see a commercial or something with blackface you may you may see colin but for me on the inside of the building mm -hmm. i knew the truth and how i was treated how i was studying the grants how i was like okay what what, what anybody gonna reach out to hbcu Mm -hmm. Or why are all these pictures full of white kids? Or, mm -hmm. you know, I, I was there for four years absorbing all of this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and I tried to speak on certain things, but mm -hmm. was shut down. And I was just like, I got to stop being ignorant. They're, they're, this is purposely being done. Yeah. And, and they don't care if I walk away on any day. They'd probably be happy that they won't have to deal with someone educated calling them out on something. Yeah. So I think, let me just get this on the record. What's, what does the uh, Second Amendment mean to you? The Second Amendment um, means you have the right to bear arms. The mm -hmm. rightful symbolizes the protection of one's freedom mm -hmm. and have a right to it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I think someone out there, what was the question? I'm trying to see. Uh, oh, okay. There's some crazy questions. I'm going to get to all of those. All right. So let's go back to this. So during your time there, uh, Noir was there, right? 
at the NRA? Never seen him, but I did okay. see him on NRA TV. Uh, okay. So so you saw him on NRA TV. I know he would, like, when we went to the shows and stuff like that, he was in the banners and all that kind of stuff. Um, he's probably the highest profile black person that I could think of that was there. Did you see anyone else? I think there's been other celebrities that are black, right, that the NRA had, but I don't know if they if any of those people got as high profile as no more. Yeah, you said if you went to the annual meeting, you saw his big banner up. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I think you were you were saying that there was that, but you didn't see things. Like, you didn't see anything else. You didn't see it in the pictures. You didn't see any other things um, that indicated that more than that, right? Am I correct on that? We're, we're, we're media guys, so I think you know okay. what I'm. You can you can you can set up a, mm-hmm. a market brand or a picture, mm-hmm. but behind the scenes, you know more than your audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm behind the scenes, and this is what I'm saying. I wasn't paying attention to that stuff. I'm too mm-hmm. smart. I was really doing the research on what's what's officially being done. Mm-hmm. To actually incorporate it and make it part of it. So, I mean, you know, let's put it this way. If if black people are, I don't know, what's the accepted thing? 20% of the population, right? I don't know. Oh, of America? Yeah. 13. 13, 14%. 18? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and first of all, my personal way of looking at it, it doesn't mean I don't have to see myself reflected in everything, you know, but I do know from going to the NRA show and seeing a lot of people attending the show that look like me, I did see that. I don't know if anyone here would challenge that, but I would definitely say that Lola and I were not the only black people at those shows. Um, That's where I met you, Hank. Yeah. Which one did you meet me at? Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Right. So, and I think you would always see the people from those surrounding areas mostly coming in or states close to that. And I would see black people actually there, right? But you're, you're behind the scenes and you're saying that um, you didn't see that, uh, you know, you didn't see it as much behind the scenes. Uh, were you in a position to talk to anyone? Devin mentioned um, Wayne LaPierre, whatever. Did you did you ever sit in on any meetings or have any conversations or try to speak up to any of the people who were in a position to do anything about that or add to that? Please tell that story. That story is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, know that they're very unapologetic um, about who they are, where they mm-hmm. stand. Mm-hmm. Um, been that way for years. Mm-hmm. Wayne LaPierre definitely says that we are law enforcement and military. Okay. Not interested in representing or backing anything else up, pretty much. So, I don't, I mean, okay, so from what you're saying, and I'm not questioning it, I'm just trying to understand it, you're saying that behind the scenes, to them, the core membership of the NRA, or who they were representing, were law enforcement or military? It was an incident we had in a room, and I explained on this show. He showed a video, uh, I think it was uh, supporting the NRA carry guard. It was promoting something. Okay. And the video had no women in it, mm-hmm. no African-Americans in it. And then at the end, he was like, what, what is the video missing? Come on, guys, be honest, what we got? And I'm like... Yeah. It's always a trap when corporate guys say that, by the way. Yeah, everyone's quiet, <laughs> but you like... It in my yeah. face. And it's I'm always a black. trap. It's like when they say, "What's your biggest weakness?" Yeah, Don't yeah. answer Be that. Honest, guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. But he saw me. I never forget this day. He locked eyes with me, and then he immediately said, "We are law enforcement military. That's who we are." I say, like, "Wow, okay." Yeah. He, like, you know, he, he he did it. You know, he saw me because I know how Wayne. And you he, do he can, fall into one of those categories, right? You're prior military. I am. Right. But there were also women in the room who I know are thinking, uh, yeah. "There's no women." Right. Yeah. So did was so. Did you, did you voice your, because I did hear that story. Did you say, hey, I did not see some folks like myself reflected in that? Did you say that? No, no, because no. I've had a lot of experience. I've tried to speak up before. Mm-hmm. I'm outnumbered. People laugh it off. It shut mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. If I did even more, I look like I'm being the race guy. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also very scientific with debates. So mm-hmm. when he did that, I realized that he kind of blocked my opportunity to say, hey, there's no there's no African-Americans in the film. He can also say after that, there's there's military and law enforcement African-Americans in America. So what? why are you being the race guy now? Mm-hmm. So I didn't set myself up for that one. Mm-hmm. That particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did any of the women, did anyone else, um, so let's say not in the meeting, right? But outside of the meetings, was did anyone else have conversations about this? No. Okay. I was very, very alone. Um, okay. So there wasn't like any kind of water cooler conversations. Make sure you, you speak up so people can hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. So there were, weren't like any water cooler conversations with people? Not with me, especially okay. not in reference to race. It was shut down. Like, okay. <laughs> I think it was that way. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> no one hears me, you know, clearly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what's your? Take? I would say. Go ahead. Go ahead. I would say that parallels exactly how they treated Antonia Okafor when she was running for the board, and mm-hmm. after she gained all the support, and they basically shunned her out of running for it, they immediately changed the rules so she couldn't run again, mm-hmm. and gave some, you know, whatever reason that they did. But obviously, it was because she was running for the board. Um, yeah. It's what they do, for real. Like, we have examples of Ken Blanchard from before any of us were doing this, mm-hmm. who was being treated terribly by the NRA. It's. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what he said. They'll put a couple of big faces out there to say that, oh, we're diverse. Mm-hmm. We'll throw these diversity dinners. But mm-hmm. they'll never actually put the resources that they have into the communities that they're actually always using as talking yeah. points. Yeah. Well, it's and, it's funny because oh, – sorry to interrupt you. Nah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, it I, sounds I like it, it sounds exactly when, – when Deshaun first described it, mm-hmm. it sounded like exactly like that rant that Sonny Johnson gave about the Republican Party. That it's like uh, you guys talk a yes. big game. Good reference. Good yeah, reference. you you guys mm-hmm. talk. Yeah, when she was in with Trump, with you know, he brought all these black conservatives to the White House, and she was okay. the only one that was like, "I'm gonna tell it like it is." It's like you guys talk a big game, but you don't show up and you don't come into the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it's like at a minimum, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's like it could be it could be malicious. It could be because of history. But sometimes I just think it's like we've been doing it this way for so long. We're not it's not it's a waste of time and money to even try at this point because it's a it's a wasted effort or the return on our investment is going to be so low that it doesn't behoove us to do it. Hmm. So, yeah, and I, to add to that point, mm-hmm. we can use Colion Noir as an example. He mm-hmm. was literally taking hits from his own black community and anti-gunners at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This yeah. whole debacle with Ackerman and McQueen unfolds and they put him on a shelf for a year without any contact by his own words Mm -hmm. they haven't spoken to him how do you how can you treat somebody like that like this dude went to bat for you for uh, Mm -hmm. years 
for years. Mm -hmm. And the best y'all could do was just say, yeah, we're done with you. No communication at all. Like, to me, that's I would like to add he's on still to he's still out there batting right now, by the way, and he's still taking blows from both sides. He's still well, taking blows from 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 black people. He's still because black people in general fall in line with an anti Second Amendment message, even though that's not the reality of how we feel. I know this is a fact. Well, right? I'm speaking. I mean, also within like you know the quote unquote black Second Amendment community mm-hmm. that sees the NRA as the racist organization mm-hmm. that they can. Sometimes I'm not going to say they're always that because it's a yeah. big, big organization. But, you know, the higher ups, they've shown what their priorities are. Yeah, I think and in, in to lots- me, he's the prime example now of what the NRA is. I would mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Um, let me just get this comment from Robert in here, and then I and then I want to say something. He says, "Can this be more attributed to NRA chasing the easy cash cows rather than malice towards certain demographics?" You stated it yourself. The NRA is persona non grata in in blue areas. Um, and and the thing that that um, the thing that I would say about that is my experience in the two A of the gun community is there's lots of guys in the gun community who don't like the NRA. And they're diehard gun guys and Second Amendment people, and, you know, they also have problems with it. So I'm not trying to negate uh, problems that people would have, uh, you know, being people of color, right? Saying, like, yeah, we've got, we don't feel, like, really 100% accepted or whatever. I'm, I'm trying to say there's also other people who don't like the NRA or how they're moving, which indicates to me it's not just that Wayne, I would believe he maybe has some really old ideas and ways of looking at things and doesn't like certain people or have any respect for certain people, but at the same time, this is an organization that he 100% runs. It's not really a public organization or one where they care about the members, regardless right. of regardless of who those members are. So the majority of those members, if there's 5 million members and there's 13% you know, um, representation so far as the black community, the majority of those members are white people and they don't care about them either. Right or wrong? Um, to an extent, because they definitely still pander to their base. But what's their base? I think this is what Deshaun's saying. What's their base? Maybe the ex-military or law enforcement or current or whatever that's what they f- if the, if if that's correct that, maybe that's what they feel right, the base right. is. that would be their base but mm-hmm. to the I base would... of the second amendment and what mm-hmm. everyday second amendment people look like mm-hmm. the it's it's a it's a rainbow like mm-hmm. look at the the panel that we're on right now mm-hmm. nobody's the same you know what i'm saying well, we're different shades of black what is but, it uh, like uh, 43 43% of the us population supposedly lives in a gun household and there's like 5 million nra members mm-hmm. so that's like what 170 million gun owners versus 5 million nra members so it's mm-hmm. like 3% you know mm-hmm. two or th- two or 3% of just even gun owners are yeah. nra members yeah. top of that just from a marketing perspective if you know that black people are one of the number one consumers in america mm-hmm. on top of you know one of the growing demographics and gun ownership why wouldn't you focus on that demographic that's to mm-hmm. me that would be a layup of memberships of support of completely destroying the anti-gun narratives like to me that right there is the most brilliant holistic marketing plan you could use Go ahead. i want to share four, four things um mm-hmm. i said it before with him um it's, it's the national rifle association but when i was there i felt like i could confirm that it was the white rifle association 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, the word nationals, I thought, oh, it's, you know, this is branding. This is marketing. This is the White Rifle Association. And I said that because the way that Black NRA members feel, the way that the other few Black NRA people at the headquarters felt, they felt like they couldn't say nothing because they needed a job and they feared what the NRA may do. Mm-hmm. And the NRA comes with a lot of benefits also. So a lot of people don't know where they can go, even if you are a black person that supports 2A. Mm-hmm. But I want to point this out. The way that they treated us, when I went in there and I looked for the other black people, one was a cook, the other one were doormen, one was fixing computers. I was like, man, a white supremacist can come into this building and feel proud mm-hmm. and say, this, this, this is my kind of organization right here. Well, I think a white supremacist would not want to see any black people in there, but, you know. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. See, them, see them in a certain way. Yeah. So my thing, there's a couple of things here, a couple of things. Let me get this first from Lola. She says, uh, Hank's t- Hank tells companies in the industry all the time, even though it may rub companies wrong, I don't see people like me. Um, ultimately, uh, yes, I do that. There's companies you guys might be surprised that I talk to them and I'm like, hey, I don't necessarily see people like me up there. Now, is that the number one? Is that the number one thing in my mind? No, because to come back to this, to what you said, Deshaun, ultimately the NRA might have built the brand and then it looks like they own it. But in this world that we're living in now, all of that's been kind of like decentralized. So we can all create and control our own messages and do things. And some of us can choose to support different people out there doing things. Some of us can choose to be the ones getting out and supporting things all in our own way and doing it in our own way and be a representation ourselves. Because whenever whenever you deal with anyone, let's say you take the race stuff and put it aside. When you deal with anyone, there's always going to be a lot of nepotism and you're subject to whatever limited uh, capacities are going on in their brain. Yep. You know, that's just the reality of it, because I agree with what Devin said. There's definitely if you look at all the numbers that are going on right now, the massive gun sales, a lot yeah. of those are people of color. That's mm-hmm. that's what they found out. And we and, and we could probably go back to reasons for that. But a lot of that's happening. A lot of that is there's, there's women buying a lot of stuff. Everyone's buying things now. But there's a lot of those numbers that are people of color getting into the game. Why wouldn't they want that? Most Regular companies that are running a business and they want to make money are going to care about that, right? Right. And they're going to cater to that. So that's why, for example, if I have Amazon Prime, I'm seeing them throwing up Black Lives Matter up there, which even though personally I'm like, okay, that's condescending or whatever, that doesn't really move me like that. But most companies are going to do that. But the nature of what we're talking about with the NRA is something completely different. I think there's I think that Wayne Lapierre basically Wayne Lapierre and a couple of his buddies this is me from the outside you're in the in, we're, you were on the inside Deshaun. to me it seems like him and a couple of his buddies run this thing and everyone down pyramid <laughs> from the top of that pyramid everyone down from that was afraid of him you know to saying anything is is that anywhere near to what you experienced or not I, I definitely have to say I have to speak you went above the pay grade for me. I have to stay in my lane. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with range services. I okay. don't know what the guy, you know, I want okay. to always try to speak sufficiently and honest. Mm-hmm. You opened up a lot there. Um, but one thing I realized that I'm probably not going to get to is that you're saying a lot of truthful things. But my book, and I want people to get it because there's a lot in there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
gonna help me understand why I experience all of these things. A bullet in my tire. Okay. Um, okay, a bullet in the tire. Let's let's focus in right, on that. I'm gonna give them to you real fast. Okay. There's a lot. Yeah, go ahead. Give give them to me. Okay. Overall, the book is gonna, like I said, it's gonna be. I'm gonna just be open from a Christian heart. Okay. Let you know how. I can, mm-hmm. But as I share them with you, and after you finish the book, there's some truth into what I'm saying. That a lot mm-hmm. of stuff that yes, right. Mm-hmm. These conversations not being had there. Mm-hmm. There's some ethics and culture and etc. And you know, something that's that's the point that that's, that's gonna be made um, okay. after reading. But there's answers to it. It's, it's not, you know, picking a side and et cetera. I like how you're doing it as well. Mm-hmm. Let's take the race part out mm-hmm. and the, from the Second Amendment part. That, <laughs> I do that as well. But mm-hmm. from things experienced there is what the book is going to be talking about. Yeah. Um, I can pick <laughs> up on it. It's a lot. We shared a lot of them in the podcast mm-hmm. uh, with him. Yeah. Well, um, first of all, what I'm trying to do is do something a little different from what uh, you and Devin did because I really believe that. Um, uh, Devin, you got to go. Yeah, yeah, I gotta finish up some stuff tonight's one of the deadlines for the Solutionary Summit. Okay. So all right, I gotta finish some work on that. All right, man, thanks. Yeah, okay, we appreciate Take care, it. Man. We appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you for having me on, though. Um, oh, absolutely, whenever you want man. me again, just let me know. I'll yeah, jump on. Absolutely, we'll keep talking about you when you're gone, though. Don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah. Keep it up. <laughs> Solutionary Summit 2020. Get your tickets. Eventbrite.com. Yeah, that's in Atlanta, right? Before you go. Yes, Atlanta, Georgia, Buckhead, um, Hilton, and Buckhead. I mean, yeah. Um, it's not we have the most fire lineup that any summit that has ever done right. has had. Our lineup is fire. Okay. Check it out. Uh, buy your tickets. Yeah. Are you are you guys coming? Um. Uh, well, first of all, I wasn't invited to your fire lineup, but that's fine. Ooh. That's okay. I thought you bought a yeah. ticket. Huh? I thought you were just coming. Coming. Oh. Like, uh, I don't know. I'm. I don't know. We'll figure okay. it out. We'll figure okay. it out. Sorry. I'm just teasing you, though. <laughs> I'm just teasing. You. But yeah, you know, I wasn't I'll invited to the. You know. Thank you for having me on yeah. again, Sean. Always great talking to yeah, you. Yeah, man. <laughs> Thanks. See y'all later. Yeah. Have a good Take night. Care, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so where were we here? You guys really, I think, need to listen to that. And I'm not trying to do the same exact uh, – Not. I'm not trying to have the same exact conversation that you and Devin had because I think it's a, it's a good one to have. Um, and, and by the way, I'm also not arguing what you're saying. You know that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because of course. I really feel like as a guy who was in the NRA, I've made videos supportive of the NRA and all of that. And when I look at it, and I, I can't tell you guys that I had some, like, super negative experience with the NRA um, because I did it. Like, my only experience actually interacting with anyone from the NRA, there's, like, two of them that stand out in my mind. There was one of the shows... And I think it was in Kentucky that when I went to that show, they they did not want to give me my credentials. It wasn't just me. It's like everyone, all the media, the YouTube guys were having this problem at that show, right? And they, I think they were afraid that the YouTube guys were somehow, they were afraid of the media at that time. You know, we're <laughs> talking like NBC or whatever. But they lumped NBC and, you know, whoever, CNN and all that into the same basket as YouTubers. So for some reason, they didn't want to give me my credentials, even though they already approved me and all that before I went to the show. So I had to like this is a massive bureaucracy in in the NRA. And I wound up I was moving around the whole show to find the place that would give me my thing. And I was over there arguing with them. And then finally a guy steps up. I can't remember his name right now. 
Um, and he's listening to me arguing because I was like, if you guys aren't going to give me this thing, I'm actually going to start making a video about how the NRA is refusing to allow me into the show. And he heard that. He stepped up. He was like, okay, so who are you? Explained it to him. I th saw him looking at something on his phone. And then he told him, give that guy a badge and put whatever he wants put on it and move on. These The YouTubers are not our enemy. They're pro-gun. Let's move on. So that's one. Um, and then the other experience I have is I was actually part of uh, the Thousand the thousand Man Shoot. You oh, know, cool. Yeah. Which went down with Henry Rifle. And, and there I interact. Like, Henry Rifle really put that on, but they did it with the corporation of the NRA. So to me, those are the things that I, that I dealt with. But ultimately, um, behind the scenes, whatever I saw behind the scenes, I could say yes. I just didn't see a lot of that for an organization. Like, to me, it's not required but for an organization that was actively saying at the time that this is who we are, you know, we're down with everyone, you know, this, the, the Second Amendment's for everyone, I didn't necessarily, um, you know, see that reflected in it. So that's why I'm saying, like, I'm not really, I'm just trying to give the folks out there uh, a good angle. And a lot of these guys, they, like, I see Night Train saying right now, NRA's corrupt. A lot of mm -hmm. guys understand that. Yep. There's a lot of bad things happening at the NRA, and I think it just has to do with the ownership. Like, I don't really believe it's a true organization or a public organization or even a civil rights organization. Mm -hmm. That's me personally. Because if it was that, they wouldn't try to ice out the members outside of what we're having. Like, the biggest part of this conversation may be about race, because that's your personal experience. But outside of that, I really don't feel like this was a civil rights organization or anything like that. I think it was just a money-making scheme. No, I, I, but, they yeah. ice everybody trying to get on the board, too. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Rolanda. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just like you, but it's just, when I come across situations that bothered me, mm -hmm. it was why is the situations that bother me, mm -hmm. it's always fix-related. Like, it's 100% it's across the board. <laughs> if something happens with a possible law enforcement violation, Mm -hmm. And it involves race. Mm -hmm. It was never my. No one ever was like listening to my side. It mm -hmm. was, it was shut down. Mm -hmm. Or, um, uh, what's the guy? Uh, man, Castile. That's not this man. Uh, uh, Philando. Philando Castile. Mm -hmm. Philando yeah. Castile. When mm -hmm. stuff like that, like I said, I started in 2014. You know how many incidents happened over four years, and I'm behind the walls. So every incident that happened, office talk was just. It was hurting to me. You okay. know. Mm -hmm. And, and they, these are great guys. I met a lot of great guys and great people. Like I said, across the board, the NRA, you can meet a lot of great people. No one's, not everyone is racist and et cetera. Mm -hmm. But the, the things that I experienced, it was I experienced too many of them um, to be such a supporter of the organization. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, this, this is once in a while. It was just one bad apple here and there. After a while, it was like, this is from the bottom all the way to the top. Mm hmm. How did you um, – did you have a question, Rolando? Well, no, yeah. I was I, – I, I figured this might be something I wanted to ask a little later on, but I figure mm -hmm. I'll ask it now. Okay. Uh, obviously, you're speaking about a lot of the, the negative experiences that you have and you're no longer with the NRA. Mm -hmm. Has that how, – how have you used that to motivate you to like uh, – do you are – are you more adamant about the Second Amendment and the importance for like mm – -hmm especially like minority community and things like that. And, and are you using that experience? Like this is where the NRA failed and, mm -hmm. you know, failed me 
as an employee, but I feel like they failed the second amendment in general mm-hmm. and how you're, you're trying to use that in a positive way. Have you done Good that question. or is that what you're doing now? Or most definitely this is the beginning stage of it. Um, guy mm-hmm. called me from Chicago, wanted to build a range and he had a dilemma. Um, like I said, in the African-American community, people who look down on guns and just overall what I've learned now that I'm outside of the NRA, I feel like I can take what I know and educate others on mm-hmm. it. And I, I'm open arms to anyone who's wanting to work together. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know. Yeah. Have you, um, have you, and I, I heard Devin ask you this question, but I'm going to ask you it again. So forgive me for that. Um, have you tried to work with any of the, um, the other second amendment organizations out there? Not just the ones that there, there's some uh, black second amendment organizations like NAGA, for example, um, but there's also GOA. Have you tried to work with any of those guys? Have you heard from any of those guys? Um, it won't be a shocker, but like I said, it's my third broadcast. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do not know who I am. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, no one knows who I am, but mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of like uh, Black Guns Association. Mm-hmm. I am. I'm. A, I do all my research. There's a Latin mm-hmm. association, mm-hmm. Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm friends with everyone. They're doing a rally. I was at a rally in Richmond with mm-hmm. uh, Hugh Newton, Black mm-hmm. Panthers. I'm mm-hmm. very, I'm very supportive of the Second Amendment and people right. who are inside of the NRA and, and just there to lend a helping hand. Mm-hmm. And if they realize who I am, I'm telling them, uh, hey, I, I can help you here and mm-hmm. there. But usually, right now, a lot of people just don't know who I am. They don't know right. my credibility. And I think that Devin said that at that meet uh, where you guys met, um, you did a lot of photographs, right? Were you working? Who were you working with there? Was it like the Black Lives Matter? Was it a pro-black Second Amendment organization? What was that? I own a photography company. Okay. And I'm also I'm not a photographer who's like doing models or whatever. I like photojournalism, mm-hmm. and this is what I had a passion for. And I mm-hmm. said, um, I knew the guys that were doing it. And I said they're going to be focused on the logistics. I was like, but mm-hmm. who's going to tell the story and take the photographs the right way mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. media changes the narrative? Mm-hmm. And so I said, I'm going to be there and help them guys do that. I did it for free. Mm-hmm. And that's why I met Black Lives Matter. That's why I met Devin. I was hoping to meet Maj. Maj is going to show up. Very supportive from him as well. He's very big on educating people. But um, this is how I'm getting around. And this, yeah. So far, you, 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 yeah, you probably still will meet him. I saw somewhere recently that Maj is getting like a, he's got an RV or something. He's going to get on the road. So, yeah, he, uh, he's going to Portland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. yeah. So um, that RV is gonna, you know, hopefully that RV does not get burned down to the ground somewhere. Uh, Dev, uh, I think I saw Devin commenting. He's like, uh, "We're gonna get bulletproof glass installed, right?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, listen, actually, seriously, I don't want to see anything like that happen. No, of course not. Um, that would be terrible. But you know, I think that, look, the opportunities. As long as you're here and you're living every day, you get up. You have an opportunity to do something better than that. You know, we're having this conversation because we don't hear from people like yourself all the time. And I'm just trying to, like, get around in this and see what I can get out. Maybe, you know, one, help you get people interested in the book that you wrote, but also to just get a really good idea and put it, you know, put it on the record for people who, even if they don't read the book, they could come in here and they could see this and understand it. And maybe just that little thing goes in their brain and they think about it and they go through all their things in life and they realize, because sometimes we don't even realize what we're doing, right? Sometimes we don't realize that the way we're talking to people that, you know, it might be rubbing them the wrong way. And it's not just for like, 
if you're a black person and you go into an environment that's uh, mostly white, it could happen to a white person going into an environment that's mostly black, and we don't understand or empathize with that person, and we don't realize things we're saying to them or whatever might be affecting them in some way. Mm-hmm. So to me, you know, um, w- with the book, how long has the book been out? Um, I would say it was fi- finally finalized the beginning of this year. Beginning of the year. Okay. Yes. So in it, when since you put this book out, what kind of interest did the NRA take any interest in the book? First, I did it because when I left, mm-hmm. it was there's a story behind that. But I just wanted to walk away and leave again. Though God was like, mm-hmm. you didn't go through all that. It's not saying anything. Mm-hmm. There was this sweet African American woman. She said, "You're very lucky if you choose to say something because the people in this building mm-hmm. they can't say anything because they they need this job and." Mm-hmm. They fear what the NRA may do. And then another woman told me the last time we had an African-American here, like yourself, was like 30 years ago. And then me also knowing the, the atmosphere of that room, that building, I was like, anybody like myself would not stay here for more than two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I put that together and I said, I'm just going to simply say something. I had no I, no intentions on attacking the NRA or putting You didn't anything- have an NDA or anything like that that they made you sign, right? No, I, okay. I actually had my lawyer contact them and let them know I will no longer be returning to work. Okay. And if anyone had anything to say, then they they go through him. Yeah. Was there something big that happened and you and you decided, hey, I'm not going back here anymore? Well, as the as the NRA, as people say, as they were the NRA started to, to fall. You know, a lot of stuff happened. Mm-hmm. They were letting mm-hmm. people go. Good people go. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of stuff coming at me aggressively, and I mm-hmm. was just not. You can't make you can't make me. You know, God's behind me. I'm not moving. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not But then it got, you know, life, mm-hmm. name, you know, the bullet okay. and everything. So I was like, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to be bullied out of here. You know, mm-hmm. I'm at least say something because I believe that's possibly part of my purpose. So I just simply just shared my story and I left it alone. Yeah, there's going to be other people writing books from what I hear. Oh yeah, books coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us the story that happened with someone shooting? I'm assuming someone shot your tire. No, that's that's the crazy part. I, I did it on purpose. That's attention getter. There's a lot of attention getter titles in the book. Okay. Someone, you, you hear someone say there's a bullet in my tire. You're like, thanks. You can't put a bullet in a person's tire. Right, yeah. I'm, okay, so what what does that mean then? <laughs> so the, the movie Black Panther came out. Um, I used to park my car in the same spot every time. Um, but when I got in my car this evening, I was driving and I felt unsafe. This, this is just, the tires making like a, like it's about to explode. Mm-hmm. Pulled over and there was a shell put in my tire, pierced my tire, and then the bullet is pressed in the tire as well. And I was like, again, I, I always do this. I don't automatically go towards okay. this on purpose. This mm-hmm. is a racist move. I'm being logical about it. But they told me, man, they took it out and this bullet was purposely made for my tire to roll over it and to catch it and et cetera. But I took it to human resources. So, so wait, wait, wait. So you pulled over and your tire was cut and a bullet inserted in it? I, it wasn't, it did, it, yes, a, a, a bullet shell was inserted in it. A shell. And then you also, uh, yeah, yeah, let me say that. A shell casing, let's, yeah. let's be specific before gun guys start getting crazy. Shell yeah. casing inserted in it, but the bullet itself was in there or not in there? It was, uh, you know, the tire has uh, grooves. Right. So that was a bullet. The bullet part was in the groove. Oh, on the outside. 
on the outside. On the outside. Okay. Did you call the cops or something? No, I was, you know, I was, I was, I was, um, I was safe. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, how did this happen? I don't mm-hmm. have a really, uh, I don't have a, all the evidence to call the cow, cops and said someone did something. This is mm-hmm. just me rolling for a shell. Mm-hmm. So I went to my job the next day and I was thanking whoever did it. I'm not going to let them keep doing it every day. And I keep, mm-hmm. that probably costs $200. I was like, I'm not going to pay $200 every day. Mm-hmm. I took it to them and they made me to believe that it was a maintenance issue. What does that mean? Yeah, they was like, we believe it was a maintenance issue. You know, maybe maybe you just rolled over a shell in in in, in the parking garage, and I was like, they they got the range, they got the range on on the top floor of the parking garage, and then they got shell casings falling down. Yeah, <laughs> what, is that what they're yeah, saying? What, yeah, how does that? What? I've been there for four years. I was like, oh, okay, okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna play. So I said, okay, let's play mm-hmm. the money. I said, mm-hmm. okay, if it's a maintenance issue. I need the two hundred dollars for my tire. Do you guys at least take care of your employees? You know, mm-hmm. who runs yeah. over something that the maintenance people didn't take care of. Maintenance okay. told me we're not reimbursing you for your tire. Okay, so Red Bear is asking if you ran over a bullet. Was that a common thing? Did that ever happen to other people? I, I, I not that I know of. Okay, all right. So was that so? After that incident, you decided that that was it for you. No, I started to park on the other side of the garage of the mm-hmm. building mm-hmm. to prove that if it happened again, this 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 is a big coincidence, mm-hmm. you know. And also the coincidence was, like I said, I just I just put a Black Panther license plate on my car. Oh, okay, okay. Before this, okay. So I was I was I was got gathering evidence. To prove so this was the movie, the movie Black Panther license plate, or yeah. okay, okay, That's the movie. okay. All right. So what? You mean just like you had this in your window or? No, on the license plate. It goes around the license plate. Oh, okay. So the frame, the the license plate frame. Okay. It was Black Panther. Okay. All right. So it sounds like you have an affinity for the Black Panthers, right? A big fan of the movie, yeah. Yeah, of the movie, but also of Black Panthers themselves, right? As the movement or the organization? Yes. Yeah. Was that a problem over there or? Honestly, honestly, I'm very smart. I didn't carry that around the building. Cause mm-hmm. I also realized well, no one's going to be a fan of me if I did that. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't take on the whole building. So mm-hmm. when the black, mo- black when the movie Black Panther came out, I was educated. And I was like, I love it. Mm-hmm. This will be a neutral ground. Because there's people putting up Star Wars stuff. They're mm-hmm. putting up Harry Potter. Oh, in why- the office? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Why can't I love yeah. my superhero? Mm-hmm. So I bought the pop stuff. I bought everything. I put it around my office. Right, I'm right, black, right. you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. daring someone not to start trouble, but I wanted to educate people on stuff that was an issue that I couldn't. I was having trouble explaining, but people people just turned away. The they didn't. They wanted. They, they didn't want to discuss the movie. No mm-hmm. one said they want to go see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think this. I think. Uh, within the gun community, maybe there's people that don't like that movie for some reason. You know, there's some SJW stuff in there, like every other Marvel thing. You know. Um, overall, I don't have. I don't know. What What do you? What was your take on the movie? Let's sidetrack here for a little bit. What's your take on that movie? Me, me, or him? Uh, yeah. Let's <laughs> Let's start with Deshaun since he's the yeah. guest. Yeah. Let's start with yeah. him. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. I don't know where to start. I mean. Yeah. That was a historical movie. I mean, yeah. I, I love it because mm-hmm. of the, you know, the culture. It was educating. Um, 
yeah, and I can go all, all day about that. Move well, on. Do you right. w- was there a message or something like that? Because everyone's going to see art. Everyone interprets art differently, and so I'm yeah. sure my interpretation is going to be different from yours. But what was it in that movie that really stood out? Other than yeah, it was cool. I think it was cool to see like the Marvel, the Marvel world, and here's this you know African nation. Um, I enjoy movies that have a lot of you know beautiful black people in it. That's awesome. <laughs> Right, you know, uh, to me it was a, it was like a modern day coming to America since we haven't gotten coming to America too. <laughs> you know, so, huh? Still waiting on that one. Too. Yeah, yeah. We're so that got delayed, I think, with COVID nineteen. Yeah. yeah. So what was what was your take? Was it two things? It was it was a mm-hmm. great movie. First. Mm-hmm. Outside of getting really in depth into the education part that they were really you know throwing in in there, because mm-hmm. there was pictures of uh, the bad guy. I like the bad guy and the good guy because they were just educating people. Like, he had Huey Newton and the Black Panthers in his room mm-hmm. um, when he was on stateside. And yeah. the stuff he was saying was, was stuff that I learned in my HBCU. And then mm-hmm. you had the African culture. Like, everything mm-hmm. was really educating. I'm big on education. Yeah, That was something that I was struggling with while I was mm-hmm. at the building, you know? Mm-hmm. So I loved the movie because it was like, I don't know, I no longer have to struggle would mm. educate people about my culture. We can do this in a fun way, in a neutral way, in a respectful way. Cause that's what I was doing. I was getting educated about their culture. I was I had the opportunity to share. You wanted my to culture. reciprocate that, yeah. 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 What was what was your take on it, Rolando, the movie? Did you uh, like I it like- or not like it? No, I did like it. It was okay. one of my I I I think it's one of the be- uh, better MCU movies. Mm-hmm. And I think the best MCU movies are the ones that try to get political and have other messages underneath them. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people talk about the MCU throwing SJW stuff. Mm-hmm. But the more that you think about it, I think it actually is it's a really good social commentary when you think when you take it all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what I really like is that Wakanda to me actually obviously I'm I'm not black or, or uh, you know, I'm not uh, I don't have any African. Well, maybe I do with with Puerto Rico, you know, there, Mm. there's a lot of mixed race in Puerto Rico. Yeah. So we all have, you know, they say that there's African, uh, Spaniard and, and, uh, obviously native American there, but, Mm -hmm. but anyway, so I don't see it from that perspective, but I thought it was interesting to see Wakanda. I almost feel like Wakanda behaves like how a lot of conservatives behave. So in the beginning of the movie, Wakanda's like, we're independent. We do our own thing. We secure our borders. We we hide from the world and we portray ourselves this way. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they're better than everybody else, but they feel like we did our own thing here and we're protecting our own tribe. And that's mm-hmm. what we're about. We're about Wakanda. We're not worried about anybody else that's anywhere in the world. And I think sometimes that's how conservatives are, where it's mm-hmm. like we're very independent. Like if I can do it, then you can do it. And then it kind I of I think everyone that's part of our all of our whole tribalism. Lots of yeah, us act it is. like that. Yeah. 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 And, Liberals and I think, act like that, conservatives, Democrats yeah. act like that, Republicans, black people act like that, white people act like that. Yeah. And I think yeah. it spoke uh, and it spoke to a lot of that. And then Killmonger mm-hmm. obviously brought, well, this is what's going on in every everywhere else, and you guys mm-hmm. are just basically being blind to it. And it's like mm-hmm. neither side is wrong or right. But in the end, you kind of see that both both T'Challa and Killmonger kind of almost have an understanding at the end. They're like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I, I don't fully agree with you, but you're not you're not wrong either. Yeah. So they, they kind of come together and almost have that understanding at the end. That I think is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, let me get some comments in here. Rodney. Uh, what was that? What were you saying? I said he just made my day, man, because I, I love it. He got it. You know, it, yeah. it reminds me when I went to the African American Museum in mm-hmm. D.C. and I saw mm-hmm. all 
more races in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was depressed a little bit at the NRA because they were like, we just, it's not, I'm, I would never do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sad, you know? It's disappointing because they were walking like they were doing that, but they, or, or t- I'm sorry, excuse me, they were talking like they were doing that, but they weren't mm-hmm. walking like they were doing it. Rodney Brady says, listening to the show now, and my sons are watching Black Panther at the same time. Uh, Chris Chris Bullis says you don't have to be black to like Black Panther. So there you go. Let, can I tell you guys? Um, can I tell you guys my uh, my take on that movie? It's, yeah. it's somewhere in there with you guys. You got you could tell me. So I did enjoy the movie. Like I said, I do actually enjoy um, seeing. You know, for me, like so. For example. Um, Oh, man. Angela Bassett, first of all. I don't care if she's in there for like 10 seconds. I'm always happy to see Angela Bassett. (laughs) That's me personally. Personal Mm -hmm. thing. Personal thing. But so outside of like seeing all these beautiful black people and seeing all this uh, a completely different culture and everything, I think that one of the things, and it's interpretive, right? And I think when you look at it to think that there was this nation that had all of this power and technology... So this is a movie based on a comic book, you know, and, and they made up a lot of this stuff lately. wasn't necessarily in the, in the comic book series. But it, they're talking about here's this nation that kind of like stood back and hid, like, like you were saying, Rolando, while all these things were happening. They even show it in the beginning of the movie. They were in Nigeria, and they were yeah. showing these kids getting kidnapped, and basically the policy of the country is like, let's ignore that. And then yeah. also in the beginning, it, you see the the uh, the king's brother go all come all the way to America and, and try to fight for something, saying, "Hey, how come we have all this power and we're not using it for anything?" Mm-hmm. And I think if you really look at that, that's kind of like what actually happened. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like what actually happened in history. Even if you go back, you know, in reality and look at uh, this is my opinion. If you go look at slavery. Um, whether those people, whether people, some people went to the shores of Africa and kidnapped black people, which is not mostly what happened. There's Africans, mostly Africans selling other Africans. The reality is Africa or, or those nations ignored what was happening. And they, will, they willingly let their people fall into this thing. And we, have to, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't forget that in history, right? Slavery to me is the most horrible thing. I'm willing to die fighting slavery. And so, but we shouldn't forget that there were people who stood back, and that was kind of the theme through the whole thing, where they were trying to say, maybe we shouldn't step back, maybe we should actually step up and do something about this instead of trying to like stand in the background and fight for things. I, I do get the um, all the things that people are like, hey, this is SJW stuff in there, but there were some weird things. Like you saw, for example, there were a few white people in the movie, and they kind of went through some racism from the flip side. Right. Or some prejudice. Right. You saw that. So when I look at a movie, I always think, hey, was this was this more complicated? Did it have layers? And I think if you look at that movie, you're going to see all these layers and all these things that Mm -hmm. you can like. And if anyone just shuts it down because they're like, you know, it's, it's based on you if you shut it down. It's like most most people when I talk to people about coming to America, that's not a race thing. There's lots of white people that love coming to America. Yeah. Oh my God! Coming to America is amazing. <laughs> That's an American movie. That's yeah. a classic American movie. If you think, I don't know mm-hmm. what's going on. My camera's just tripping right now. It's freaking out tonight. 
Yeah. <laughs> but that's a classic American movie. And I don't know if Black Panther is going to be that in the long run. But I really do think that that's what they were going for. And I'm really not surprised that the movie made so much money. Marvel has made... Like, their movies are usually big. But mm -hmm. that doesn't really... That kind of thing that happened there doesn't happen often. You basically proved to me that what I was thinking... I know I'm black, but I was like, this is a great American film. Mm -hmm. And you interpret it however who you are, no matter what your race is... It's a great movie for kids, mm -hmm. and it's also a great movie for adults. Mm -hmm. So to me, overall, I was like, this this is a great film. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's, it's unfortunate yeah. that, um, you know, that, uh, that, that we lost Black Panther, <laughs> you know, uh, Chadwick Boseman recently. Um, I, I really think that guy was a good actor, and I think he was starting to come into that, like, Denzel Washington yeah. kind of stride, well, you know? And, and and you can see how he well look at the roles that he chose too. He he was deliberate about what he chose. He chose Jackie Robinson, Thurgood mm -hmm. Marshall, mm -hmm. you know, transcending characters, uh, amazing historical characters, mm -hmm. amazing black Americans mm -hmm. in history. And and that's what he focused he was on. Trying to, he was trying to put work in, I think, you yeah. know. Oh, I yeah. think he knew what think, was happening to him. I think they said yeah. he made like oh, man, I want to say it was like Something as crazy as like 10 movies between yeah. when he found out that he had cancer. So in like mm -hmm. four years, he made 10 movies. Yeah. Something like and if that. I could just so. give you guys trivia about Black Panther, this happened to all the actors that were, that were in, well, most of them that were in that movie. Because I believe they shot a lot of stuff in Georgia, right? Um, yeah, that's where Marvel does their main studios in Georgia, yeah. in Atlanta. So like that big waterfall scene, there's a lot of light involved in that scene if you see it, especially because it's... Uh, there's big, you know, green screens and 3D mm -hmm. stuff and all that. It was so much light that they were going back to their rooms and going to sleep at night and waking up and there was blood on the pillows. And they couldn't figure out why there was this blood on the pillows. Do you know why? Were their eyes bleeding or something? Their eyes were bleeding. Yeah. Wow. From the light. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, because their eyes were under so much strain, so they had to get everyone's sunglasses, you know... <laughs> That in order crazy. to in, in order to get that uh, in order to get that movie done, so um, Steve Dave says do the right thing. Great movie, you know. Um, I would say I you know what I would say that too. I'm not a big fan of Spike Lee, but do the right thing is is a that's classic. You know, I'm not gonna argue that one. Um, you know, and then there was a there was a movie that Spike Lee and Denzel did. Was that Inside Man? I think that's a that's a that's a good. They one. did Malcolm X Inside Man. Malcolm, Malcolm I'm a, X, yeah. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Spike Lee. Uh, I grew up on Spike Lee. Yeah. Um, Spike Lee is I, I would call him a mi a militant uh, film director. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, that's, that's, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Sometimes the film isn't that good, but his no. <laughs> his, yeah. his objective is very militant. Yeah. But yeah. In the process as a kid, I, I learned. You know, I learned about Malcolm mm -hmm. X. Picked up mm -hmm. a book. I learned about stuff and do the right thing. I learned about. You know, I learned a lot about jazz and, and music before I even got to college and began to study music. I knew those Miles Davis and you know Jelly Roll because I was watching Spike Lee films. Okay, very cool, very cool. Brian Quick says, anyone remember Denzel's movie Ricochet? Maybe not his best work, but it was entertaining. Okay, was that the movie where there was a guy that had like a, a demon or evil spirit? Moving through him every time he touched someone, or is that? Is that uh, let's see. I don't know. I, that might be the. I, I remember that. that but I, I remember the film, but I didn't know that was a Spike Lee film. I have to look. No, I don't up. think that was a Spike Lee film. 
think that, so either. That might have been like Michael Mann or something like John, that. John Lithgow, Ice T was in it. Kevin Pollock. What was the premise of the um, of Ricochet? Because I filmed d- details of struggle between an LA district attorney and a vengeful criminal who he arrested when he was a cop. Yes, and that okay was, but did this criminal have some kind of? I don't know. I think uh, for some reason in my brain. I uh, I feel like there was some kind of I like the sci-fi stuff that has like, you know, some occult type things in there. I'm into that. Like I was a fan of Doctor Strange. Those if you ask me the comic books I read as a kid, I read Doctor Strange. You know, some Spider-Man. That was my that was my thing. And then Sergeant Rock, which a lot of Americans don't know, but it was about American GI. Mm. You know what that is, Sergeant Rock? No, I hadn't heard of him. No, you never heard of that. Yeah, I also read this thing called Tintin that I know you guys have never heard of. Adventures of Tintin. Oh yeah, we know that. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. we know Tintin, man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Tintin was like Johnny Quest from like the (laughs) 1930s, basically. I had all of those books. My family had like all of that. Did you like the 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 more modern one? I thought it was pretty good. It was good because it was it was the artwork was very Mm -hmm. uh, was very close to what happened. I did like it, but I liked it because I was a fan. You know, I was just like I read. I was reading those books when I was like maybe eight years old or something like that, or younger Mm -hmm. than that. So, really fan. We we got sidetracked. (laughs) (laughs) It's happening. You bring up Black Panther. I'm gonna keep rolling. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's too bad. It's too bad. What do you think they should do? For Black Panther 2, I saw Noir said that they should um, do a tribute, obviously, um, to T'Challa, right? Yeah, they shouldn't recast him. I think T'Challa's got to – I think T'Challa has to basically pass away in the MCU or move on to – and then maybe they can make his sister carry the torch. Well, yeah, I think I think Noir yeah. was saying they should make Killmonger. I actually in that movie. I thought like, about that too. I I yeah. like the the actor that played uh, Killmonger. Um, what's his name? The, uh, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Right. Yeah. I think he did a good job in there playing the bad guy. It's always tougher to play the bad guy in a movie than play the good guy. Mm-hmm. That's easy. But he was. I was I was feeling the bad guy. Yeah. Well, especially in those one shot movies, because usually the origin mm-hmm. movie, it has like a throwaway bad guy and it's yeah. like not a big deal because yeah. especially in the MCU, they're trying to set up, you know, everything to yeah. culminate in the Thanos. So sometimes yeah. you don't even know, like, who the heck do you fight in this movie? Yeah. But Killmonger, and, and Chadwick I think, Boseman is one of the did a good job as know. a good guy. But basically, you just have to be handsome, muscles and smile. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, it's easy to be <laughs> the good guy. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think there. I think there are a um, a lot of talented, uh, like you said, up and coming Denzels. You mm-hmm. say. Um, mm-hmm. I would be okay. I mean, they do it with Superman and all the other superheroes. I will actually be okay to keep it, keep it going for our children in the future. Mm-hmm. I will be okay with them fighting. They have to be. They're going to be very picky about who they replace it with. Yeah, if they're going to go for that, if they're going to just go for straight up replacing T'Challa. Um, yeah. Denzel Washington's son, I forgot something Washington. That that kid, that kid's a good actor, actually. Yeah, there's several several guys out there. Yeah. They have um, to step up and play. Yeah, I can't re- I can't remember what his name is, but he's the guy that's in Tenet. Yeah, he's also okay. in. Uh, that's Black Denzel. Clansman. That's Denzel's son. He's in. Oh, what? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. He's in Black Klansman as well. Yes, okay. he is. I haven't got a chance to see that. He was in Power. He was he's in the doing- TV show Power with The Rock. He's doing his thing. Yeah, I think he was actually like a football player or something like that. So, you know, maybe they can get because you got to get a dude who you like. You believe this is African, 
and I know that's going to be weird to people, but like I can't play, and I actually lived in Nigeria, and I could do the accent and everything, but I'm not going to be believable. <laughs> you know, as an African prince. <laughs> yeah, so you got you know you got to make sure, and there's a lot of guys like Chadwick Boseman was from where was he from? He was he's American. I thought he was from Georgia, wasn't he? He graduated yeah. from Howard. Oh, okay. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that that I yeah. knew. Yeah. I think he was from Georgia. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, we'll see what they do. We'll see what they do. Um, I, I liked the I liked the the actress that played the sister as well. I thought she was funny, but I don't I don't listen. I think just make there's lots of black superhero women. Make those movies. Don't make Black Panther yeah, give her her own into movie. a woman. Yeah, or give her her own spinoff thing and do it. But don't make Black Panther now. We gotta flip it. Like, come on, we don't have to do that. They have they have such a strong woman power presence already yeah. in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. You don't. You need. You don't. You don't. I mean, Bassett. I'm gonna watch anything. They could. They can make Angela Bassett can do any. They can spin off his mom's thing. I'll watch it. Angela Bassett. It's fine. <laughs> I know you're gonna say that, but you, you gotta. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just go that direction. Let's see what the mom did. You're you're definitely gonna watch it if nobody else shows up. There you go. Uh, my my wife was saying in the chat, uh, uh, she's like, the MCU doesn't care about replacing people with, uh, with people who look similar. Look what they did to Rhodey, because yeah, uh, they they well, replaced Rhodey yeah. from uh, Iron Man one into two. Yeah. Mm. Uh, with uh, Don Cheadle. Yeah. Okay. Scorch Earth Firearms is saying Denzel's son was not in power. You're about to lose your black card. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I know what he was saying. Right. I didn't know. He, I didn't. Think so who was, was the actor in Power then? Let's look that up. I have to be honest. I didn't. I didn't. I, I missed. Okay. Power. So if so if I'm sorry, it's not Power. That's I said the wrong thing. It's not Power. What was the What was the thing with uh, the Rock? What was the Rock show? Ballers. Ballers. That's what I Ballers, meant. There yeah. you go. See that shows you. Yeah. I never right. watch. I never watch Power. So I meant to yeah. say ballers. There you go. That's yes. There you go. Is that okay now? Is that okay now? Yeah, you get your card back. I guess yeah. you get your card back. Ballers. That's what he was in. Okay. So there you go. Yeah, he was in Ballers. There you go. Uh, John David Washington. There you go. See, there wasn't. I said he was a he was a football player, and whatever I was looking at, he was a football player in it. So power. I never actually even watched Power. I gotta be honest with you guys. You got to see uh, Black Klansman. That was that was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Scorched Earth says, shout out to the HBCUs, Bama State in the house. Hey. Yeah, there you go. All right, yeah. Black Klansman, <laughs> um, yes. I will. And then also the guy who was in uh, who was in the Star Wars movies was in that too, right? The guy who, the new Star Wars movies, uh, I don't remember his name. He was like a Marine uh, at some point before he became an actor. Oh, you're Kylo Ren, uh, uh, Driver, Adam Driver. Yeah, Adam Driver, I think, was, yeah. was in that, right? Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen it. I'll, you know. um, are you guys looking forward to seeing Tenet? You think it's going to be good? Uh, I, I'm all for Christopher Nolan. So yeah, I'm, I'm de- he, he, Nolan he hasn't disappointed me yet. So until he does, I'll yeah. give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Okay. Brick says Power is a great show. I haven't really looked at it. Power is with Fifty Cent, right? Fifty Cent. That's pa- that's the power. Or I, I, maybe he's not on there anymore. Yeah. 
I haven't really looked at that. You know what? Those kind of things remind me too much of New York. So things that I actually like lived in, grew up around, I'm not very motivated to look at. I'm a person who will catch a film. You know, yeah. every once in a while, but power mm-hmm. is, a, is a TV. Yeah, it's theory. a TV thing. Yeah. Like, uh, I liked Ballers because it was about football, which I know nothing about. Uh-huh. And when I looked at the show, there was lots of uh, naked ladies running around. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is- I like this. So I don't know if power has that, that I might be convinced to actually look at it. But I really don't need to see some drug dealing dudes in New York City when I grew up in the middle of that. Need to see. uh, I I, I just need to see some shadow flying behind you and Lola throws something across the room. Oh, (laughs) Lola knows my motivations. She knows exactly why I do. Angela has it in power on that episode. What? Angela has it going to show up in power one of these episodes. Oh, if Angela... Uh, you just mess. You just messing with me. She's not actually in that, right? Yeah. If Angela Bassett was in power, yeah, I try to go through. What is this? There's a sci-fi TV show that Angela Bassett was in. It was like a horror sci-fi show. I think she's playing the cop in the last TV show I seen her. Um, yeah, there was some. There was this show where it was all about like voodoo and stuff like that. It had to do. It had to do. Angela Bassett was in some of them. But I didn't really look at it because I was trying to look through the things. I was like, I don't see. I tried to start at one. I was like, I don't see Angela Bassett. So this. And I'm trying to like skip through it. I was like, okay, I don't see Angela Bassett in this. I'm not looking at it. Someone will say it out here what that is. It's like some kind of show about demons and that kind of thing, which um, always seems interesting to me. And I'll just tell you guys why it seems interesting to me. I believe in the real world, all those things exist. Not like there's not really werewolves, but there's people who look like they're normal people and then they could flip on you. There's not really vampires, but there's people who will (laughs) suck you dry of your blood, you know, who will just take things from you. So I think that there's all of those kinds of things that you see out there. I really believe that like those kind of things and in deeper ways than that really exists so i like looking at the, those kind of things it's like that and sci-fi is mostly what i'm into so american horror story american that- horror story there you go yeah yeah there you go yeah i'm gonna find the list of the episodes that only have angela bassett in it uh if you go on the imdb it shows you it. the yeah. if it shows you exactly the episodes that she was my in. camera is just acting really crazy I I have no idea why my camera's acting crazy. Okay. It might be your it might be your bandwidth because I know Skype gets really weird if your yeah. internet connection's fuzzy. It'll yeah. start, resize your window. On. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with my camera. It's flipping out. Okay, so listen, uh, everyone out there, smash the thumbs ups. Let's get back to what we were talking. We're talking about the book, Black Behind the NRA. What is the meaning of the title of this? Oh yeah, let's show it. Hold on a second. I got to get this for the for the thumbnail right there. Boom. Well, you got to try to get your face and that in there at the same time. I figured my face is on the thing. <laughs> Over oh, <sure>. yeah. <laughs> Did you take the photos in here? Um, I know you know. I don't know if that's. I know you're a photographer, but yeah, I am a photographer. But I is a great guy in North Virginia. Um, if I had to get anyone, he was the one. He knows like Gordon Parks. We're both inspired by Gordon Parks. Um, mm-hmm. So that was the guy. I told him what I needed, the compositions, and we we got it done one day mm-hmm. yeah okay very cool Rolando did you have some uh, questions here that you wanted to get into that we maybe missed uh no no not not yet I think uh so far I'm I'm more curious to see where uh where Deshaun goes and and yeah. how he took the experience you know yeah. 
Uh, so to pause, you, yeah, how he took it and is using it positively now. Yeah, because obviously I, that could that could really turn a lot of people off, and it's unfortunate so. they had to go through that. Yeah, mm-hmm. are you a gun owner now? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> so you want to get? Can we talk about some guns? Oh yeah. We want to talk about some. We can't show any guns here. Just a warning. <laughs> No, I'm not gonna like pull in. <laughs> yeah, YouTube's all over us. But uh, so, what kind of don't, guns? Don't are you... pay too much attention to me, then. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, okay. What kind of um, uh, uh, what kind of guns are you into? Uh, three things. I'm a, I'm an expert with the rifle. Mm-hmm. Handguns. I like recoil. I like I like I like I like a gun with recoil. Okay, when it comes, like so to what do you like? You're talking about revolvers. What's your handgun uh, kind of handgun? Forty-five, my favorite. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. Okay. Forty-five. All right. So, like, are we talking? What's your what's your forty-five that you like? Uh, are you a Glock guy? Are you HK? Huh? I'm not a Glock guy. I'm no. not a Glock guy. No, you're not a Glock guy. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, that's where you respect it. Some people will like that. Some people will hate that. <laughs> um, so what feel, is there a company that you're into? Go, go ahead, Rolando. No, I was like, I feel like there's a thing that dudes that grew up in like the early 2000s, I don't know what it was. Like all, all my friends that grew up in that era, everybody bought 45s. 45 was still a thing in like the early 2000s. It's old and school. like yeah. Yeah, so I remember everybody... It was like in the early 2000s, what'd you get? It was like XD45 or a Glock chambered in 45 or an MMP chambered in yeah. 45 or an HK in yeah. 45. That's what everybody had. And then finally, nine started catching up in like the 2010s and stuff. And everybody's like, okay, nine's, nine's cool. Yeah. KDP, mm-hmm. knockdown power. Is that what you. Yeah, that's, that, yeah, that's how it always was. Is that what you're into, Deshaun? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 unfortunately, I've seen the nine millimeter, you know, mm-hmm. in my mom. Well, you know, the big guy coming at you. I've seen guys eat a nine millimeter. He's still coming at you. Mm-hmm. I want something that's going to be Knockdown power, knockdown power. Yeah. Got to like, go to the 10 now. 10 millimeter, <laughs> Yeah, baby. 10 millimeter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just got to get a 50, you know. This is why wow. in the movies you see these, um, like, Desert Eagles in the movies. is the most impractical gun ever. I like them. I would like to own a Desert Eagle. I'm not going to front to anybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would like to own a Desert Eagle. And then I found out something about Desert Eagles. If you get one, so let's say you get one and it's, you know, like a 50 or something like that, right? You can actually, there's things that they sell and you can make that into different calibers. So they sell like the upper, basic, almost like an upper? Yeah, yeah. They, uh, you know, they have kits. Like I remember, I think I did a video about this way back when I actually went to their booth at SHOT Show. And they're like, yeah, if you have 50 AE or something like that, you could go down to this, you could do this, you could do that. And I was like, oh, you don't even have to buy a whole gun all over again. So mm-hmm. I might be wrong, but people out there can uh, correct me if I am. Um, you know, I'm guessing Scorched Earth Firearms is going to have something to say. I would lose my black card and my gun guy card. <laughs> if, that's not, if that's not true. Rain says, uh, nice picture on that book. Uh, that looks like he was living in the Roaring Twenties. Gosh, you really... <laughs> Need one uh, with Tommy uh, Black with a Tommy gun. Oh, yeah. That would be cool. Yeah, old school. He brought up because I'm big on the history, you know, mm-hmm. of African-American culture in reference to the Second Amendment. And, you know, mm-hmm. I watched the movie Wood. I'm a big church guy. So, yes, mm-hmm. that is the 
the essence that I wanted you to feel when I shot that picture. Mm-hmm. Rosewood is not too far from here. Let's see. Let's we're gonna see some pictures in there. Okay, hold on. Let me lock it on you. Go ahead. Thank you. See that. Okay. Uh, oh, you do have. What is that that you have there? Is it's that uh, a- me holding a rifle. I'm wearing suspenders, okay. and I had it in front of a flag. It's also a picture of me in front of a church with a with a black Jesus in the background. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's pictures that saying a lot. Um, but I don't want to give all the way. I want you to get the book in. Yeah, it. absolutely. Can we have that conversation, Rolando? Can we have the conversation about Jesus? Was Jesus, I believe, Jesus was a black dude. I mean, look at his, I, I would say look at his People are going to get mad, how, but. Yeah. I would say look at Israelis and how they looked and how, you know, people mm-hmm. at that time in the Middle East look. Like, he's going to be, he's going to be brown or black. Like, there's, yeah. there's, there's no. I mean that's how that's yeah. who was there. Some people get offended. I don't know if you <laughs> I, I have. Don't, yeah, I don't know if you have a. What, where's what's your take on that, Deshaun? I, I agree with him. I mean, it's it's common sense. We're educated yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But I mean, He's nobody gonna, knows what he looks like, so you can put whatever picture you want. I guess so. It's well, not a big deal. I think that I think that the Romans did that because they were trying to reflect what they thought was beautiful when they were creating that stuff. Right. That happens. You know, people reflect what they think is beautiful. Do do I think? Look, I don't know. Does anyone believe in like the Turin shroud? Like I've, when I was young, I looked at a lot of videos about the Turin shroud, right? So the shroud they wrapped Christ in after you know, like when he, when he was in the cave, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at when they found that, and was, people gonna be like, "That's not real. It's not real," or whatever. But even if you look, remember that had like an image in it. You know, yeah. whoever that person was back then. You know, the features, you could still see features standing out. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, we could, it, like, you could, if you go back in time, there's a lot of things out there. If you go back in time, you know, uh, James Miller says he wasn't black or white. He was Middle Eastern. I was just watching. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, Joe and I started watching a documentary mm-hmm. on the Roman Empire that the BBC mm-hmm. made. Mm-hmm. And one of the episodes we watched yesterday was about... Um, uh, gosh, I forgot uh, Titus and his father, mm-hmm. and they basically, you know, fought the war against Judea. So Israel, what Israel was called back in the day, mm-hmm. and how they fought against Jerusalem, and eventually, you know, the reward was that the father became the emperor of Rome since he was their most successful general. And they portrayed all the all the Jews because it was before Islam. Islam showed up at like 800 A.D. or something like that. Mm-hmm. So this was like in 60 A.D. or 70. Uh, all the Jews looked Middle Eastern and black that they portrayed on the show, and the Romans were white, guy, white European guys mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, but everybody spoke with a British accent, no matter what, <laughs> whether they were white, black, or Middle Eastern. Well, they all yeah, well, you get the accent. No, I know. <laughs> but I thought it was funny because in historical mm-hmm. stuff, everybody always has a British accent, which I think is pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. So, um, so CB says Turin Shroud show- turned up in 1500s. Um, and Rodney Brady says Shroud was determined to be fact. Uh, he meant fake. Yeah, and John <laughs> he corrected Ford, himself later on. <laughs> not fact, fake. Oh, fake. Oh, so how did you put? How did you mess up? No, I think you you deliberately put fact. <laughs> <laughs> and John Voorhees says uh, Jesus came to save us all, not based on skin skin color. He loves us all. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's acceptable. Yep. You know, we could talk about it. We could talk. There's nothing wrong talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's not a crime. Not a crime. Okay, so let's see. Um, so guns. Uh, what's your like right now? Do you do you have a CCW? Do you conceal carry? 
I do. In Virginia, you have to have a, yeah, you have to conceal. Okay. All right. Do you, can you tell us what you conceal carry? Um, I just did a rally in Richmond. Um, I open carried my, my, my rifle. Oh, man, I just got it. Mm-hmm. 45 of my rifle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh it was it was a basic ar um that pictures on my ig um, mm-hmm. okay well, I, okay so i don't want to the wrong thing but yeah, but yeah. then someone's oh i understand say, yeah yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. i would like to say it's a no judgment zone but we're gun guys so yeah yeah, yeah. there's always yeah. gonna be judgment is there any dream gun out there that you would like to uh you know get your hands on even in that, I love. Now with the military, I love fifty cal. I used to, I, I used to be on a tank. Mm-hmm. Boys, you mm-hmm. once that thing blasts off, people mm-hmm. pay attention. Yeah, yeah. So the fifties of the military have those all Barretts. I don't know that what okay. they have. Yeah, are you so talking? Like, I think is he talking Mod Deuce, like the machine gun? Oh, okay. Or is no, he talking? Or, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, a that. saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gorillas and yeah. Guns says Jesus was just a guy. I know. Let the hate begin. I'm not religious in the least. That's what he says. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Steve Dave says FN 249. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then CB, see, this is always going to start a thing. CB says, wasn't just a guy if we're talking about him 2,000 years later. <laughs> so, uh, and then John Voorhees says his dream gun MG42. Boom! There you go. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the. Um, so I don't like H and K. I don't like Heckler and Coke, as people want to force me to say. Really? Yeah. I, I don't like the. I don't like the company. Right. Oh, okay. I don't well, feel, that's a different story. I don't yeah. feel like they're really fans of uh the civilian market i think they're more like military oriented kind of people they probably feel like civilians don't need to have guns kind of a thing right oh they're they're a german company so i mean i'm not surprised they probably don't care about the second amendment right yeah at all yeah Mm. so but i do like the mp5 so yeah there you go and i recently bought up i like the mp5 so much that on a whim I recently bought uh, a bunch of like MP5 parts of an MP5 that was cut up. So mm-hmm. basically, uh, um, a SWAT, like uh, the the guy that I got it from, got it from a SWAT team locally here, and uh, decommissioned a bunch of these by cutting them up. And um, and Babyface and myself, uh, we each got you know a, one like set of these uh, MP5 kits. And I didn't shoot any video of me getting it. You guys will see stuff. I didn't want to see you to see us carry on like little girls so i figured i'd just tell you that we carried on like little girls but i believe it that's how that's how gun, that's how we are when we get a new gun or yeah. something cool. it <laughs> yeah. is what it is but that's gonna be cool i think that's gonna be cool when i actually get that mp5 that's that's a hk uh that i'm really into you know um so that that's the kind of thing uh night train says hk wants the big military contracts uh, civilian market be damned. Um, yeah. And the um, um, I love PCC. So I love the, uh, yeah. the I, I would get an SP five or the new SP. Is it the SP five K? Is that what it is? The, what, uh, a compact one that they have that they just came out with. I would love to have that. Oh, I don't know. 2700 HK gun. 
Yeah, yeah, they okay, came out on. with obviously they came out with the SP5. I gotta look this up. I gotta see exactly what you're talking about. I only know yeah. MP5. Oh, okay. So well, all the they, other numbers mean nothing to me until I look it well, up. So HK the SP5 what? is just SP5? the SP5 is just the, the oh, that's civilian, the new yeah, that's the new that's civilian, civilian version. Yeah, yeah. But the K, K is there. The K is the compact version. Yeah. So that yeah. that thing is badass looking. Yeah. But for twenty seven hundred bucks, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. I'm not I'm not playing that game right now. Yeah. Um, I would also like a Tech Nine. Do you know what a Tech Nine is? Of course, I'm from Miami, man. <laughs> of course, I know what a Tech Nine is. That's like the state gun of that's the that's the city gun of of Miami and like it's the state gun of Florida. Yeah, it's like a, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty gangster. You see it in a lot of like the old school. I don't know if you see it in movies really nowadays, mm-hmm. but you'll see a lot of Tech Nines in like the '80s, '90s movies. Hoodlum. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know what's crazy? Uh-huh. Do you remember the movie Hoodlum? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That had um oh what's his name from the Matrix right um, yeah uh, Morris uh, no. Fishburne Morris Fishburne, yeah. Fishburne yeah yeah so the scene when he got out to protect the queen and he was just this you know just shooting away in the street mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies but if you look up on the on the on the poles there were mm-hmm. NRA flags really? I, I had no idea I all okay, the way I'm down have to go back and look at that now. I was looking at it and I was like, man, this has been around me all this time. So so wait, he was in Harlem? No, they were yeah, they were in Harlem. And he was protecting And they were NRA flags on the thing? When he's in the street in the intersection, that gun scene happens. Mm-hmm. After every, all the after all the smoke clears and they mm-hmm. do like a pull out of the scene. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just standing there, and you can see the cars and then the and the bodies and et cetera. If you look uh, up, huh. flag said NRA. Okay, I'm gonna have to go back and look at that. Yeah. Um, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, there's there's probably a lot of things that in movies like that that we that we never um, actually saw. You know what? Would, so do you? You know, we've got a couple of minutes here before we get out of here. I think my final question on this is: so far as the NRA thing, um, do you have any friends that you or people that you met there that you still communicate with now? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, mm-hmm. Please. I share that as well. I made great friends there. For the first two years, I was quiet, but then some people offered me to come out for happy hour, and that's when I realized, man, there, there were some great people there. We're mm-hmm. friends today. Mm-hmm. They gave me a chance to, 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 to enjoy, like Harry Potter. Like mm-hmm. I'm from, I'm from the hood, and nobody wants to talk about Harry Potter with me over there. But when I got with them guys, I wanted to go cool. to country concerts. Mm-hmm. I want, I got to be open, and they, and they, and they, they welcomed me with open arms. Mm-hmm. So yes. Not a good friends. So, uh, like the sure. people, the people there were some of the people there at least were cool. It's just you're saying like the corporate culture, you know, kind of there, there was a, like an obvious issue, right? I want to clear it up to be honest. There was a small group. Okay, if they, um, if the, if the someone from the NRA reached out to you today, you know, and try to, you know, patch things up, or let's say, let's say they survive or something, right? What would you say to that? Are you completely done? I would make it clear about where I stand. Mm-hmm. Please, I'm already educated and I've been through that. Mm-hmm. It's going to be differently. It's going to be on my terms. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do something that's not going to be some BS. We're going to really do something for different cultures. We're going to open up. And I would basically be a great person to fix mm-hmm. the thing. Probably just have no worries about. But if otherwise, no. I'm not going back to playing. Oh, okay. And then Lola was just wanting me to ask you, what's next for you? 
what's next to me right now, after going through everything, I realized the key is education. Mm-hmm. Um, picking up with other people like like you guys and yourselves mm-hmm. and, and creating ways to also, you know, stand on the Second Amendment and fix a lot of problems that we have um, in this in this in this field. Mm-hmm. I'm very open, very educated, and, and ready to help out whoever wants to help me. Just yeah. getting started. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, like, listen, this is the thing I want everyone to know about the NRA. I mean, not the NRA. I don't want you guys could. No, I don't, you know, I don't have anything to tell you about that other than what I've said. Second Amendment. This is what I want you guys to realize. It doesn't belong to any one American group or culture or anything like that. You know, the Second Amendment's in the Constitution. It's an American thing. But but the whole idea of it is that everyone's born with the right to defend themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And that's so all of us have should take ownership over that. Definitely. That's, you know, that's what I would like like to encourage people out there to do. There's all these problems and things. The, the number one way you fix that, you go in, you take ownership over it. Not necessarily like the NRA. Take ownership over this idea and get out there and do it in your own way and, and bring it to the, you know, bring it to the people out there or your people or whatever. You know, there's that saying charity begins at home. And I think that it's the same thing with the Second Amendment. Starts with you, grows out from there. Um uh rolando was there something you wanted to ask before we get out of here like you got uh no no i definitely want to follow deshaun and and Mm -hmm. see how how you grow from here i think it's great to hear your perspective and Mm -hmm. to have more people in the community and i think uh you're going to see that there's there's a lot of people that are really receptive to it uh i think you know my wife and i started doing this a year ago and we've just been floored by uh you know how positive it's been Mm -hmm. you know every every group has its you know uh, every enthusiast group or fan group, you're going to have the fanboys out there that talk garbage and that are like uh, elitist or things like that. Mm-hmm. But I think as far as the advocacy side, you're going to see a lot of support and um, and the creator side, too. I think it's 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 a family and you start running into the same people over and over again. So you you find out pretty quick who the good people are. Mm-hmm. I, would like add, I like to add on and, and honor what he just said. When I hear people say that at this moment where I am, I was drowning Mm-hmm. So here's someone to reach out I promise you anyone that reaches out to me I'm going to follow you back I'm going to like your pictures on Instagram mm-hmm. it means a lot to me basically yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not faking this like my, my can I plug my IG really yeah fast? absolutely tell me your IGs right now and I will throw them up on the screen because I could do that I'll, I've got my phone connected so what's your IGs it's black behind NRA very easy okay black behind uh, NRA. Okay, so here, I'll show that here on the screen for you guys. So this is the first one. I'm going to follow it. I'm following. What's the other one? So this is for the book, right? This is yeah. all relative to the book. Okay, and then what's your other one? Is, or that's, is that... That's the only one I'm using at the moment. Oh, okay. Um, the, okay. The second one is Best Photography Worldwide. Best Photography Worldwide? Okay. Is that, like, open to... Uh, Okay, is it like it looks like it's a private account? Yeah, that one's private at the moment. Okay, I'm gonna follow you on there. I'm gonna follow you, but yeah, I don't know if I just followed you. Yeah, I don't know if you necessarily want everyone following you on there because you made it, you you made it private or whatever. But only only difference is Black Behind NRA is where you can purchase the book. So I figured today Mm -hmm. that's where people can go and reference the book. But to photography as well. Yeah. 
we can follow me there also. Absolutely. Okay, so we just went in there and did that. Um, I'm gonna give you the final word before we get out of here. I do want to thank uh, I do want to thank uh, Rolando Puerto Rican Pistolero. Everyone, stay right there. I'm gonna run in the end and I'm gonna give you the final word. Um, I want to invite you guys to subscribe here to the channel, smash the thumbs ups, ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. We're gonna rip out the audio, put it up on iTunes every other place that you get your audio podcasts. Okay, Deshaun, uh, can you tell the folks out there, what's your last words here, your last thoughts? Deshaun Bowser. Um, my IG is Black Behind NRA, the book. You can Google it on your phone or on your computer. Again, it's very simple, Black Behind NRA. Mm-hmm. I believe that everyone has the right to the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. And again, my arms are open and looking very forward to supporting this cause. Absolutely. Okay, thanks so much for coming out. Rolando, Deshaun, thank you guys. Thanks to you guys for sticking in, hanging out here with us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you all. Peace. We're out of here. Fingers. Yeah, we can do it, we can do it on the way out. He's good. He's Jazz good. Dance. Yeah, he remembered that. <laughs> Peace.